the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the world's 25 or more beautiful time zones, all covered like a blanket, one way or the other, by this program, Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell, and it is my pleasure and honor to be with you throughout this weekend. Tonight's Open Lines. That's right, Open Lines. Now... I received endless suggestions for what one, what we might actually do tonight, but after having... They're all good. Time travelers, you're welcome. Uh, people who have uh, had very unusual experiences, you're welcome. You're all welcome. And so we'll just see what happens. In the truest tradition of... Look out, Charlie Brown, because anything can happen tonight. That's what we're going to do. Let's take a, a quick look at the the world, the depressing world. Former uh, Republican Senator Bob Dole suggested Sunday that John Kerry apologize for past testimony before Congress about alleged atrocities during the Vietnam War and join critics of the Democratic presidential candidate said, he received an early exit from combat for, quote, superficial wounds, and quote, though also called on Kerry to release all the records of his service in Vietnam. Explosions and gunfire shook Najaf's old city on Sunday in a fierce, very fierce battle between U.S. forces and Shiite militants. As negotiations continue to drag on for the handover of that shrine the fighters have used for their stronghold late Sunday. U.S. warplanes and helicopters attacked positions in the old city for the second night with bombs and gunfire. Militant leaders uh, said that the shrine's compound outer walls were damaged in the attacks. Uh, this one, uh, this one I'm surprised about. Uh, Senate Intelligence Committee Republicans proposed removing the nation's largest intelligence gathering operations from the CIA and the Pentagon and putting them directly under a new national intelligence director, Senator Pat Roberts, Republican from Kansas. The committee chairman unveiled on Sunday the most sweeping intelligence reorganization proposal offered by anybody since the September 11 commission called for major changes. In an appearance on CBS Face the Nation, Roberts acknowledged the full details had yet to be shared with either the White House or Senate Democrats, but I can imagine in the halls of the agencies that have three letters, they're having fits. I mean, you can, maybe you can't imagine, but, you know, all the three-letter guys, CIA, NSA, and on and on and on and on, these guys are used to their little kingdoms of power. And to imagine all of that stripped away from them is almost unthinkable. Unthinkable. I'm sure they regard it as unthinkable. So uh, if you could be a fly on the wall in some of those agencies, you'd see them at full scream. Movies. God versus Satan. <laughs> Cast out space creatures at the box office. Demon thriller Exorcist, the beginning Debuted, get this, as number one, number one weekend movie, 18.2 million, displacing Alien vs. Predator, which tumbled to number four. 
with 12.5 million. Studio estimate showed Sunday without a pedal, a comedy, about three guys on a canoe trip in search of treasure opened in second place with 13.7 million. And this is kind of interesting. I don't know if you're following the uh, the Olympics or not, but uh, three three got medals, and Paul Ham got angry. Here it says mad. You never get mad. That that implies a, you know a state of mental instability. Angry would be the right word. The United States upped its gymnastics medal hall to seven on Sunday night. This would be the most since the Americans won 16 at the boycotted L.A. games in 84, and they might not yet be finished. Ham, however, failed to finish uh, to medal in either of his events, finishing fifth on floor, sixth on pommel horse. But he was more upset with the International Gymnastics Federation, get this, which acknowledged Saturday that a scoring error a scoring error wrongly gave the gold in the all-around over Yang Young of South Korea. Though FIG says it cannot change the results, they admit that it was wrongly given. They can't change the results. The South Korean uh, nation does plan to appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sports in hopes of getting a duplicate gold medal at the very least. So, um, indeed, Paul Ham is not... A happy camper. All right, there is the the regular news. In a moment, I'll read you, as Paul would say, the rest of the story. Now, a few other things. Uh, this from uh, Lorraine. Uh, hey, Art, did I miss it, or did you address that big storm about a week ago? I heard it closed Death Valley, caused flash floods and mudslides. Was Perump affected? As you know, I'm only about 20 miles from Death Valley. Just raised the obvious question. Okay. I'm going. I'm about to tell you a story, but first let me tell you that um, this evening late, somebody sent me some of the photographs that were taken in Death Valley, and I took one of them and put put it up on my webcam. Death Valley got clobbered, and so did we, and I'm going to tell you that story. But first, if you want to take a little jaunt up to the website, coasttocoastam.com, and go to my webcam, upper left-hand corner, it says Arts Webcam, click on that. That's a picture of a, a little bit of what happened in Death Valley. It was incredible. Oh, my, did we have a storm. Now, uh, that same storm, of course, uh, occurred here. And in our case, uh, what happened was a cell developed directly above the southern part of the Pahrump Valley. And this was one of the meanest, a biggest, nastiest, lightning-filled cells that you've ever seen in your whole life. It, it began at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Me being a night bird, I'm awake. I try to go to sleep sometimes before the sun comes up. That's always nice, uh, so you don't have to see those nasty little rays entering your life. Uh, that's what a night person does. Uh, but at about 4 o'clock in the morning, it began. Oh, my God, did it begin. And here's what happened. 
Um, the lightning strokes began to hit the ground all around us. Ramona and me went out on the porch, on our porch, and thought, well, this is going to be some show. Now, remember, I've got a total of 13 towers surrounding my home. 13 towers! One goes up 100 feet. The others go up 70, 75 feet each, spread over five acres. And between those towers, I have stretched 1,600 feet of antenna wire, actually more, times two. So 3,200 feet, the better part of a mile of wire on 13 very, very large towers. So from my point of view, we were going to get hit. I got the fire extinguishers out. I got ready. I was sure that I was going to be hit, but an amazing, uh, amazing thing occurred, proving, I think, a point that people have wondered about for years and years and years. And that is, bear in mind, these towers are steel, and they're grounded. Even the guy wires that hold them up are all grounded. So we had lightning hitting turning everything into black and white colors, lightning hitting on our ground, uh, just, uh, you know, a hundred yards from us. You know, the, the boom, like that. No, no wait between the flash and the kaboom. It was so loud. It was so sharp. It was so constant. It went on for hours, and we never got hit. Our yard got hit. In fact, uh, you could go out and look at some of the little green weeds that grow in the desert, and they were charcoal, you know, where they got hit. But none of my towers got hit. Now, that's impossible. That is impossible unless the theory uh, that uh, my engineer, I called my engineer in Las Vegas. I mean, I was just amazed. I He's the guy who put up the uh, the radio station tower for KNYE here in Pahrump. And I, you know, he's in his 70s. The guy climbs towers like he's in his 20s. Anyway, he said, Art, look, next time this happens, um, take a pair of binoculars. And, and while the lightning strokes are hitting all around you, look at the very top of your towers. And you're going to see a blue-like plasma ball toward the top of the towers. And he said, what you'll see is you'll see the, the plasma ball begin to form uh, as a strike gets ready to happen. But what's actually occurring is instead of creating, like Ben Franklin with his kite, something absolutely designed to attract lightning, you have created a zone of protection. A zone of protection. Because these blue plasma balls are actually discharging uh, rather than uh, uh, getting ready to uh, uh, take a hit. He said, I've seen it year after year in the work I do on towers, and this terrifying event, I mean, there's no way on God's green and or charred earth that I should not have been hit, unless what he said is true. And that is that actually it discharges the lightning before it can happen. And so anywhere else but the towers get hit. There are so many towers, and the discharge capacity of them is so great that um, it creates an actual zone of protection. But I, I assure you, during this horrifying uh, number of, well, about four hours, almost five hours, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. We had lightning hitting all around us. Those kind of close hits...
You know, this storm just formed above us and stayed above us and kept throwing bolts like God's hand just going, here you go, here you go. Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. It was really scary. And, of course, that was the same time my back was out, so I was powerless to sit there, um, you know, except to sit there and, and sort of agony and just wait for the one that was going to light us up. Well, it never came. And the only answer, the only answer to that can be that uh, such an arrangement actually does create a zone of protection. So that's an amazing thing, and I thought I would pass it on to you. At any rate, uh, here's something also, uh, because I was not here last week, I guess Richard C. Hoagland made some comment, or some number of comments, indicating that I just might be a member of a secret society, or I guess that's what it added up to. And a lot of people sent me emails saying, are you going to respond to that? No. Other than to say, years ago, uh, people began accusing me of being a CIA guy or NSA or uh, a member of some sort of secret society or another, the strange handshakes and all that stuff. And, you know, I learned very quickly in doing talk radio that there's no point in denying such things because a denial only propagates more speculation, so I don't deny it. If you wish to believe that I'm a member of some secret society, that my strings are tugged by some dark shadow government figure behind the scenes, and that is what you're going to believe, and nothing I'm going to say is going to dissuade you from that. So whether it's Richard or anybody else, no comment. No comment. You want to believe that? Go ahead and believe it. Now, here's one for the books. <laughs> this is on Drudge, or it was about an hour ago. If you want to check it out, this is incredible. Uh, Matt, Matthew Drudge, he's a good guy. He's reporting the following. <laughs> the Weather Service uh, warning catches Los Angeles by storm. Report stated dangerous tornado headed downtown. The skies in the Los Angeles basin were fair Saturday morning when computers connected to the National Weather Service in Oxnard began screaming. Quote, at 9.25 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the National Weather Service Doppler radar was tracking a large and extremely dangerous tornado seven miles south of Glendale. Or, or about near downtown Los Angeles, moving northeast at 20 miles an hour. An official bulletin issued at 9.30 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time warned residents that a tornado warning was in effect until 9.15. If no shelter is available, it said, lie flat on the nearest ditch or other low spot and cover your head with your hands. Nothing about kisses here. There was hardly a cloud in the sky, but the alert stated in horrifying detail, quote, the tornado is expected to be near Pasadena by 8.50. The warning remained on the state's emergency digital information service database for four minutes without any further comment. Until 0858 Pacific Daylight Time. 
National Weather Service, Los Angeles, Oxnard, California. Please disregard the previous tornado warning. No tornado exists. It's not clear if Weather Service employees believe they were actually living through a shock scene from this summer's Huss film, Day After Tomorrow, or if the event was simply a computer glitch gone horribly wrong. But one Weather Service staffer reached at the Oxnard office just hours after all the commotion, joked how someone there will surely be hiding in a ditch for this misfire, developing drudge. <laughs> so, uh, there you have it. I'm sure that scared the you-know-what out of some people for a while. From Ananova, digital TV hides Earth from aliens. Now, this is something to think about. The digital television revolution means that Earth is less likely to be discovered by aliens, according to an expert. Frank Drake, and he is one, told the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Workshop at Harvard that, quote, the Earth is going to disappear, end quote, very soon now for aliens. He says radio signals put out by tradi traditional television broadcast antennas are indeed the strongest evidence of our existence in space. Traditional antennas put out about a megawatt each, and this radio wave bubble now is extending 50 light years out from the solar system. But more and more TV is now being delivered by cable. No radio frequency leakage to space and by satellites that put out just 20 watts a channel on average, all efficiently directed straight down to Earth. However, Drake said it might also explain why we have so far failed to uncover any evidence of aliens. In other words, if, if other forms of life have followed the same technological path as have we, then the time when they're irradiating large amounts of RF that would go zipping right through the ionosphere and on out into space forever, that would be a very tiny amount of time, and that might might account for why we we just haven't we haven't heard the others yet, because look at us. That's what the story is saying. Look at us. We're about to be disregarding terrestrial broadcasting. In a very few years, it will end. Everything will come zooming into your home on, oh, I don't know, a fiber cable or uh, perhaps uh, transmitted by a satellite, but no longer radiated into space advertising our presence. Something to think about, huh? Yes, I've got a whole lot of environmental news. Um, there is a dead zone out there. Actually, a couple of them. Uh, here's one that's spread across the Gulf of Mexico. What is a dead zone? Well, a dead zone is a stretch of water that for some reason, sometimes scientists believe it's uh, environmental pollution, but for some reason has absolutely no life whatsoever in it. A huge dead zone of water so devoid of oxygen that sea life can't exist has spread across 5,800 square miles in the Gulf of Mexico this summer in, in what has now become an unusual occurrence, or is it usual, about annual now, caused, again, they think, by pollution. The extensive area of uninhabited water 
may be contributing uh, indirectly to an unusual spate of shark bites along the Texas coast. A scientist at the Louisiana University Marine Consortium said Tuesday measurements showed the dead zone extended from the mouth of the Mississippi in southeastern Louisiana, 250 miles west to near the Texas border, and was closer to shore than usual because of winds and currents. So there you have it, a dead zone. There's another one, by the way. I think it's off the coast of Oregon somewhere. I'll look into that. And I've got a little more environmental news, and then we're going to rock. Oh, are we going to rock? Open lines all night long. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, rain in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing, we The official website of Coast to Coast AM is www.coasttocoastam.com. Log on now. Buddy, you're a young man, hot man, shouting in the street. You're gonna take on the world someday. You got blood on your face, a big disgrace. Waving your banner all over the place. everybody i want you to listen very carefully the numbers on the weekend are a little different we're preparing to do open lines anything you want to talk about if what you've got is really good then here's the way you get to me to talk with art bell call the wild card line at area code 775-727-1295 the first time caller line is area code 775-727-1222 to talk with art bell from east of the rockies call toll free at 800-825-5033 from west of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing Option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is indeed, and... Uh... So there are the numbers. In a moment, we're just going to reach out to the, the larger gene pool out there and see what's going on. With open lines, unscreened, unprotected, well, you just never know what's going to happen. There's no way to ever know what's going to happen, but that's what makes it fun. <laughs> Coming right up.
before I dive into open lines, just before that, there is one other item I absolutely want to get on this weekend, and uh, it's because we just don't get the news we should get here in the U.S. We just don't get it. There's something going on with the media. I'm not going to try and address what that might be, but I'm going to read you a story that I think is very important, one that I think it's important you hear. It's from the U.K. News, of course, and it's entitled Hollywood Fantasy. Tidal wave disaster is just waiting to happen. Scientists says governments are ignoring threat of a piece of rock as big as the Isle of Man crashing into the Atlantic. And they're not talking about something from space. It has everything you could wish for in a cliche-ridden disaster movie. A beautiful volcanic island in the Atlantic is on the brink of catastrophic collapse threatening to unleash giant waves that will wreak havoc around the globe within hours. And while scientists try in vain to make their concerns heard, the world's government, governments, make it plural, all look the other way. But yesterday, a leading expert claimed the doom-laden scenario was not only real, but was almost being completely ignored by people in power. Bill McGuire director of the Benfield Grieg Hazard Research Center at the University College London, said that a huge chunk of rock about the size of the Isle of Man was on the brink of breaking off the volcanic island of La Palma in the Canaries. Now listen carefully. When Professor McGuire says, it is not a matter of if the rock plunges into the ocean, it will trigger giant waves called mega tsunamis. It's going to happen traveling at speeds of up to 560 miles an hour. The huge walls of water will tear across the ocean and hit islands and continents, leaving trails of destruction in its wake. Mega tsunami waves are much longer than the ones we're used to. When one of these babies comes in, it keeps on coming for 10 to 15 minutes, said the professor. It's like a huge wall of water that just keeps coming. Computer models of the island's collapse show the first regions to be hit with waves topping 100 meters, or that would be 330 feet, will be neighboring Canary Islands. Within a few hours after that, the west coast of Africa is going to be battered with similar-sized waves. Between 9 and 12 hours after the island collapses, waves between 20 and 50 meters high will have crossed 4,000 miles of ocean to crash into the Caribbean islands and the U.S. eastern seaboard, as well as Canada. The worst hit will be the harbors and estuaries, which will channel the waves inland. The loss of life and destruction to property will probably be immense. Britain would not escape entirely. Waves of around 10 meters likely to strike the south coast four to five hours after the island collapses, causing damage to seaside resorts and ports. Such devastating natural disasters are rare, occurring on average about every 10,000 years. But La Palma could collapse much sooner than that. The thing about La Palma is we know it's on the move now. The island came to the attention of scientists in 1949 when its volcano erupted, causing a huge chunk of the western flank to drop four meters into the ocean. Scientists believe the chunk of land is still slipping slowly into the water, say another eruption is likely to make the entire 
western flank collapse, and when it goes, Professor McGuire says, it will likely collapse in about 90 seconds. Now, have you heard this? I hadn't. Despite the potential scale of the threat, little is being done to monitor the geologic activity of La Palma. Only a few seismometers have been set up on the precarious western flank of the island, which do not provide enough information to predict when any eruption might occur. It's a very worrying situation, McGuire said. It'll almost certainly go during an eruption. The problem is that with just a very few seismometers on the island, we may not get the notice we need. The scientists called for an international effort to install more sophisticated sensors on the island, as well as global positioning satellite uh, units to detect how quickly the land mass was falling into the ocean. We must have better monitoring so we know when an eruption is about to occur. The U.S. government must be aware of the La Palma threat. They certainly should be worried, and so should the island states in the Caribbean. They're apparently not taking it seriously, he says. Governments change every four to five years, and generally they're not particularly interested in these things. But I thought you might be. So there you have it. Uh, they're suggesting such a thing could occur very rapidly, and when it does occur, it'll occur in about 90 seconds. And if it is really as precarious as is suggested uh, by this story, then, gee, don't you think they might want to monitor it for somebody with evil on their mind? If such a thing... I mean, that's kind of like a rock on an edge of a cliff, only it's the entire side of an island. And I'm not trying to make any suggestions here, but um, uh, we really have to be aware, don't we, of the intentions of anybody out there who would wish us ill? <laughs> All right. Here we go. First time caller line, you are on the air. Hello. Uh, yes. Uh, reason George Hurricane Experiment didn't work because he, he needed more time to uh, return the hurricane back because it's a big storm. You need more time in that. Ah, uh, the hurricane, yes. Uh, well, I, I have quite a, quite a bit to say about that. Um, did you participate in the experiment? Uh, well, I didn't quite hear all of it when you knew he was doing it. I was trying to go in the kitchen and get something, and I didn't quite teach y'all the experiment, but I really do help every time, though, that y'all do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, my, my position on this, I, I thought I had made very clear, and I would like to make clear right now. Mass... Uh, consciousness and the power of mass mind is absolutely real. I was able to prove that to myself in a series of experiments that the longtime listeners here are, I'm sure, very well aware of. And so I did come to the conclusion that it was real. And once you've done that, once you realize that this is a real power, may even be a greater power ultimately than the atom, then uh, you reach some sobering conclusions, uh, or at least you should, and that is not to use it until we understand it, uh, perhaps uh, with more clarity than we certainly do now. A power that great um, is something, and particularly applied to something as powerful and unpredictable as a hurricane, could have unintended results. In other words, uh, the mere fact that you're concentrating on it with millions of minds 
could cause its intensification. I've worried and worried years ago that experimenting with a hurricane, for example, could cause a hurricane to remain offshore and build in intensity or unexpectedly build in intensity, these words I uttered years ago, and then hit land with devastating results. And I have no way of knowing, nor does anybody, if that's what occurred, but I have cautioned many times about continuing these experiments till we understand them better, that's all. And I believe that uh, George is now kind of on to that and is going to be very cautious about this sort of thing in the future, and I think that's a very wise, wise decision on his part. Uh, this is, uh, by the way, a subject I'm going to certainly continue to explore, uh, both for, because of my own intense interest in it, and I know yours. So we will explore it with guests, but I, I don't think that we'll do large-scale experiments until we understand the possible consequences of our actions. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. How you doing, Art? Just fine. This is Stephen uh, from Columbus, Georgia. How you doing, sir? Great. Look here. Uh, I'm in the quandary of buying a high-definition high television. Um, and <laughs> you're in a quandary about buying it, or what? I definitely want to buy one, but nobody seems to know exactly uh, what they're talking about. And I just thought, hey, Art Bell knows. I mean, he's in the business. He knows. Well, I'm not in the high-def business, but I, I, I do know more than I did. I now have high definition here, and so how can I help you? Okay. Uh, let me ask a strange question. All right. Is DVD high-def? No. By DVD. No, 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 sir. Answers. It is no. not, is it? No. Uh, d uh, present uh, DVD technology has has come quite a ways. We have what's called progressive DVD, and uh, it's not real 1080i, but it is so damn good that when viewed on a high definition television, it's very difficult to discern from high definition the real McCoy. So, in other words, if you buy a uh, so if you buy a uh, progressive scan DVD. DVD recorder. You're going to get close. I, I have one of those. So you're going to get close. Now, okay, so I have to stop and listen to me for a second. Sure. Coming very shortly is a, is a, uh, I believe Panasonic is going to be probably first out the door. Yes, with sir, it. buddy. The blue, uh, the new blue, uh, uh, what word I'm searching for, um, a blue laser DVD, and then we'll have true recording and playback of um, high definition on DVD. So, in other words, if you record from your DVD recorder high def, you're going to get high def. Uh, right? Once we get these new blue lasers, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, can you? Uh, how long is that coming? I'm guessing it'll be out in the next few months. Now, let me give you a. A pretty big shot here uh, because I just went out and purchased a new high definition DVR and they just hit the market. And um, the one I have is made by Hughes, and it will allow it will allow the recording on satellite of 200 hours of high quality TV or 30 hours of high definition TV. And that just hit the market, and I grabbed one of them up last week and hooked it up, and so now I can record uh, high def. Are you very pleased with what you got? I love it. I love it too, man. <laughs> hey, hey, you're the king, son. Keep it on, keep it on, keep it on. All right, take care. Uh, so that's kind of the latest word in high def. That hit the street 
there was an article in uh, Popular Science about it, and I went, oh, my God. And I started calling around in Las Vegas. This is kind of an interesting story. And I'm not going to give the store name, but I'm going to tell you what happened. I mean, this unit is just out, right? The very first thing to come along that will really record high def. And so I got on the phone, and I began calling stores in Las Vegas. And you know me. i got to be first on the block. I mean, I went berserk, and I was on the phone for a while. And finally, I got this guy at a store, and I said, look, I want to know if you have this new uh, DVR made by Hughes that will record, you know, 200 hours or 30 hours of high def. And he said, oh, yeah, i got one here. I said, no, wait a minute. See, I've been down this road before. What I want you to now do is I want you to go back into the warehouse, and I want you to put your hand on it so that you really know it's there, not just relying on your computer. I want you to put your hand on the box and tell me it's there, and then I'll drive in. You know, an hour and a half on the road. I'll drive in. I'll be on my way to get it. Just put your hand on it. So he did. He went back. He said, okay. I put my hand on it. I have it. You can drive in. So I drove in, and and I got to this particular store, and I sat down, and I waited. And he got this odd look on his face. And there were whispers going on between you know, several of the guys, management, you know. And I hear one guy say, no, 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 oh, no, you can't sell that to him. He, 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 look at the computer. It says minus 13. That means these are all sold. Well, I sat there at that little cubicle looking like I was going to go postal. <laughs> and I probably would have. Anyway, so pretty soon, you know, these guys are looking at me like, uh, he doesn't look good. <laughs> you know, we got it. What can we do? And so finally, after a lot of whispering, <laughs> went on. They said, sir, we're going to sell you one. This really should be going to someone else, but we are going to sell it to you because we promised it to you and blah, 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 all the rest of it. And I, I sat there with, the, and finally a big smile on my face came home and hooked it up. And sure enough, recording high definition is incredible. So there you go. That's the first way. And coming soon, the blue, uh, the blue laser DVD. And so we're we're making leaps and jumps and bounds in high definition. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey. Kurt, I'm calling from uh, College Station, Texas. Yes, sir. Texas A&M and uh, the George Bush Library. Yes, sir. Um, recently you had a show on about the fence. Do you remember that? Oh, of course, yes, uh, with Peter Davenport, yes. Right, exactly. Well, anyway, I did a little experiment. I hooked up my ICOM radio and uh i also do a little satellite imagery as well and uh this is hobby stuff of course and uh loaded up my satellite tracking program mm -hmm. with the uh you know the newest kiplin elements and uh sure enough as as they were passing over you would hear just a little bleep <laughs> pretty strange uh well i thought what peter proposed was dead on the money and absolutely could be done and was so disturbing to those powers that be uh, that I sort of awaited a knock on my door saying, yeah, really. you know, saying, what the hell are you doing broadcasting something like that? Well, it works. I yeah. guess all you need to do is triangulation yeah. and a little time, time uh, configuration. You can probably just knock it right out. I wonder if Peter has had a little knock on the door. Probably so for proposing such a thing. Because, of course, you know, in addition to seeing any UFOs or anything strange, it's going to see right. every secret U.S. and Russian aircraft 
and space thing that passes over. I mean, that's real serious. Well, the the, the funny thing is, you know, the, the this uh, element system that I have is supposed to have every listed satellite. Sure. But so you can correlate that against what you actually observe and say, "Yep, there was so and so." Right, but you also get the sounds that aren't there. <laughs> well, who is it? <laughs> uh, ain't it wonderful that we live in a free country still? Right so, now, sorta. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, Art. Take care. Yes, we still live in a place where the average citizen can well. I don't know, you know, do things that would potentially upset our own government and uh, and get away with it. Well, that's the beauty of, I guess, where we live. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. Hey, how you doing? It's Alex here in uh, Long Beach, California, on 640 KFI. Yes, Alex. Hey, uh, a little nervous here, so bear with me, okay, you guys? Uh, back in 99, I first started listening to you, I think, late 98. And 99, I moved up to Northern California on my way up to Oregon. I stopped off in a small town right near the Oregon border. Can I get the name of the town? Sure. Uh, Wairica, California. Actually, it's probably like yeah, Bigfoot country, if you what they call it. Yes. Anyway, my story is I was taking care of my sister's hardware store for the summer. I was helping her out. Really slow up there. One day, this old, old gentleman came in. Must have been late 80s, mid-80s, I guess. Mm. He kind of walked around the store, kind of picked up shovels, and kind of, you know, looked around. I finally said to him, hey, old-timer, how you doing? He walked over. He's like, well, you know, this is, this is what makes the story so real for me, at least. And, and I've never called you before. I've never actually really shared it with the story with anybody else other than you and maybe a couple friends. And he said, well, not much. I'm taking care of my sister that's dying. My wife, she's dying, too, you know, in a valley nearby. So I was like, oh. And since he had he had, like, an old... Air Force type looking jacket. Have you ever seen those old jackets the old timers wear from like a long time ago? They wear the hats with it and stuff. Yeah. You know he. You know I looked at him. He's like, well, okay, this guy was playing some military Air Force or something. Who knows? All right, all right. Listen, you know, listen. Hold your story. We got a break coming up. Can you hold okay. on? All right. Sure. All right, good. Hold, hold it right there. Uh, tonight, this is what we're going to get. All kinds of people with all kinds of stories. Some of which, well. You can believe or not, and a few of which are going to be absolute truth. So within all of this, there will be nuggets that you may remember for years and years if you just keep your dial exactly where it is. <laughs> I'm Art Bell. This part of the show? Listen online with Streamlink. Log on to coasttocoastam.com.
Talk with Art Bell. Call the Wildcard Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5 and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is indeed. Good morning, everybody. Well, I just talked prior to getting on the air by actually a few moments with a very good friend of mine, Tim. He drives a big 18-wheeler. He's a ham operator, and we get to talk to Tim as he drives all over the country in that monster truck of his. Many times, he's on a route that takes him between Kansas City and Salt Lake City, Utah, and he passes through Wyoming. And I I have a photograph that he got uh, from one of his recent trips. This was frightening stuff, and I thought I'd share it with you since he shared it with me. A very gruesome scene indeed. One dead, two or three critical. Uh, this occurred on I-80 between Laramie and Cheyenne, Wyoming. And there was a lot of fog in the area on the mountain that night. And um, he said to me on 75 meters, uh, a little before the show tonight, he said, I hate that damn mountain. And now you can see why. I just changed the, um, uh, the photograph on my webcam. So take a look. This is the one of the photographs Tim sent to me of what happened in Wyoming just happened between Laramie and Cheyenne. It was a gigantic wreck involving all kinds of cars and many big 18-wheeler trucks like Tim. He arrived at the scene shortly after it occurred. Here's one of the photographs. It's incredible. So if you get a chance to go to coastam.com, upper left-hand corner, Art's webcam, click on that and take a look. This was really a bad one. Would you? Now, while I'm not going to open a specific line for it, I am always on the uh, lookout for time travelers. So, if you're a time traveler, if you're really a time traveler, and you would like, uh, you would like to tell your story, well then, uh, certainly I'm very, very much open to that. Uh, and I've also got a really good sense of when I'm being BS'd, so it's gotta be pretty good. The reason I do this is because I think that if our society, if the world, manages not to blow itself to smithereens, then time travel is almost an inevitability. It's going to happen. Eventually, we're going to acquire enough power, if that is indeed what it turns out it's going to take, or enough whatever. Perhaps uh, some new science will come along. It always does. And eventually, there will be time travel. So... 
Based on that, I'm willing to accept the fact that time travelers probably are out there right now. If not, the outlook for the world is rather grim indeed. Otherwise, they should be there. Now, would they talk? Well, possibly based on the assumption that calling Coast to Coast AM and talking about time travel or claiming to be a time traveler is not going to get enough attention to really matter, and so they can go ahead and tell their story. And we can listen and decide for ourselves. So, any time travelers out there, feel free to use any one of my lines and try and get in. Because I do, indeed, want to hear your story. And speaking of stories, we were right in the middle of one, this man dressed in the cap and the, the old flight, flight suit, the old fellow. Uh, so, what happened? Oh, you there? Yes, well, sure. Okay, so, he, like I said, he walked in, he, he kind of looked around, and I saw this big grasshopper on his back of his shirt. I'm like, hey, what's that mean? He goes, oh, my name's Hopper. I used to be in the service. I go, oh, cool. And I go, hey. So I asked him a question I usually ask my buddies that have been in the service, the Navy or the Army. I'm like, hey, so are those UFOs real? And he looked at me. He gave me this look. He walked up to the cabin. This is an old gentleman, too. Uh-huh. Great hair. He was taking care of his ailing family. Or his mother, or his uh, wife, and his sister. Uh-huh. He came up to me. He looked at me. Now, Art, right, I listen to your radio, your radio show once in a great while. I check your website a couple times. I don't really, I'm not into the, the UFO things, mm-hmm. you know, that deep. You know, I've seen Star Trek, but it's nothing that really that big of an interest. But this guy, he walked up to me. He goes, you know what? Because I'll tell you something. I'll tell you three things that happened to me. And so I stood there. I'm like, you know, I have the time to kill. I'm like, sure. Nobody else is in the store. I'm like, so go ahead, old timer. Go ahead, Hopper. What did you see? He goes, you know, one night, he goes, I remember too. He goes, it was 1939. He was pointing his finger in my face. He goes, you listen to me. He goes, I've never told anybody this. And now I'm like, okay. And I go, wait a minute. You listen to that guy on the, or the radio show. Or you listen to these, he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh. I mean, this guy had a really stern face. And I was like, oh, I guess he doesn't listen to those kind of the UFO things out there, you know. And like I said, I hadn't listened to Art Bell that much or listened to you that much before that. So he goes, one night in 1939, my friend and I were going out to New Mexico, and he started mentioning names that since I've heard on your show that you've mentioned, you've mentioned Los Alamos in Mexico and someplace, Sandia Laboratories, yes. does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. You know, and he goes, listen, he goes, one night my buddy and I were driving out to New Mexico. We had just stopped out of a diner late at night. We were driving through the desert, and I fell asleep. He took the drive the rest of the night. In the middle of the night, my friend woke me up. He shook me. I woke up. I'm like, what's up? You know, and he said the look on his face, he had never seen a look like that on anybody's face before. And he, mo- and he motioned for him. He goes, look outside. Look out. Look up. Well, he looked out the window. This is the hopper guy. He looked out. He looked around. And he goes, no. He pointed. He gestured. He goes, look up. And he looked up. And it took him a second for him to register, he said. He goes, because you know what? I didn't see one star. And that night, there's always stars shining. And I go, well, what happened? He goes, I look closely and harder, and I finally saw an edge of something. And he goes, this thing stretched for miles, he said, and I made a shape out of it. He, and he said, he goes, it was triangular in shape, and yes. I finally made some, a distinction of like these fine, thin lights. And it's, he goes, you know what? That scared the he didn't even Yeah, I know. I, but, uh, you know, and he, looked, and he looked me right in the eye. He goes, this thing, he goes, it must have stretched for miles, and it followed ab- above our car on that road. And as the valley, dro- uh, the, uh, the valley floor kind of dropped out and it went to some canyon, he said it followed them for a good 20 minutes. And there were, 
he had never been that scared in his life. All right. Well, this... tra- oh, hold on. There's two. There's two more experiences. He oh, well, okay. Well, we're not going to have time for two more, but that one will do. That's uh, All right. that's that's just fine. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's. I don't think it can be argued. They are here. There, there's something here. Period. There's something here, and too many million. Americans have seen these things for it not to be so. They are here. The only remaining questions are, who knows about it? Have there been deals cut? Um, What is their intent? That's a big one. Remember we were talking about that last night. Uh, Intent is a big part of uh, any warfare that you uh, conduct or are forced to conduct. The intent of your enemy as well as, of course, the capability. So... We know so little. All we know is they are here. Anybody who has listened to this show for years now knows they're here. But what is their intent? Why are they here? Why are they watching us? And what's what's in it for them? What's in it for us? All those kinds of questions we cannot begin to answer. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Going once. Going twice. Gone. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Uh, yes, hello. Wow. Turn your radio, sir, turn your radio off, please. You speaking to me? Yes, I am. Oh, it's off. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> uh, where Where are you and who are you? Um, I am uh, the guy in your window with red eyes looking at you. <laughs> good try. That's <laughs> Bob, California. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we've been having some strange weather. But 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 first, uh, I've, I've done some uh, contracting work years ago at the, um, the Air Force for um, uh, hardware, electronics, and stuff. Yes. We built parts for SDI, uh, trigger assemblies and stuff. Yes, sir. And uh, we, I deal with the Air Force a lot. And uh, they came in, and one time I was um, asking about, you know, what their latest uh, toys are. And they said, this is about, like, uh, 15 years ago. And they said that they had a new satellite and how it picks up enemy um, spy satellites on this mess. And they said it, it, it operates on a static field. And uh, he had some photographs in his briefcase. Photographs? First, yeah, photographs of what it does instead of a high-resolution image, it puts, like, a line, basically a line around the object it captures. Now, can you imagine that for many of us out here, it's a little difficult to believe that a contractor for the Air Force would have a sit-down with somebody with classified photographs of stuff they don't even admit is there. But, okay, go ahead. But, no, no, we did uh, R&D, research and development stuff. They yeah. would come in there and ask us, we we're, we were R&D, and they asked us for the most unusual things, and it would take us maybe five or ten years to do it, but we would do it. And But he did have the photographs, and it, it's actually, they did release it. You could actually um, get these uh, off the Internet, these images. And it, it's not a, it's not an image of, of Soviet satellites. It's images of our own satellites just to see how well it works. But, but uh, one of the images he showed me in there, he said, the very first, I don't know if you've heard about this, I think you might have, but the first image that they received, I'm not, I'm serious, and you could research and talk to people in the Air Force, you may know, it was a disc with a dome on it. And I saw this, and you're kidding me, right? This this isn't real. A, disc, a disc with a dome on it. It was, it was basically a traditional flying saucer. And this was about uh, 22,300 miles up near our satellite, mm-hmm. satellite orbit. And I said, this is a joke, right? He goes, no, no, this is a real pet. I said, what is that? That looks like flying saucer. And he just won't say anything after that. And I, I, I didn't get any information if that's ours or... If all right, all right. Are you claiming that photograph is available on, on the web? 
Yeah, yeah. He actually said that, yeah, our first image, our first test image of this, when we used it, first used it, we got this image back. It came back and it was... Send me, uh, it, send me the URL, um, artbell at mindspring.com, artbell at aol.com. Send it to me, all right? Okay, yeah, we could do that. But, but I was going to talk about the weird weather in California, actually. I just wanted to include that. And I will send that to you. It's open. J- Japanese people have it, too. They've been talking about it on the news for years because mm-hmm. they acquired it. What about the weird weather in California? Other than the tornado that wasn't. Right. You, you, seriously, I was on the freeway, and I saw a huge dirt devil to the right of me. It was probably about 40 feet high, and I knew it was coming towards me. I said, oh, my God, I gripped the steering wheel really hard. Where was that? Um, that was, I think, uh, Friday or Saturday. No, where, sir? Where? Oh, that was uh, heading towards L.A. I was on the 110 freeway. May, you know, maybe that's what, maybe somebody made some kind of report that uh, that got forwarded in the National Weather Service or something. Who knows? You know, right? Yeah, maybe that's what they saw, because I saw it was a little tornado, and I grabbed my steering wheel. And basically a dirt devil, you know, something 40 feet tall. Uh, it was dirt just spinning around, just heading towards the freeway. I said, oh, my God, it's going to hit me, you know, and I was driving. But l- luckily it didn't hit me because, you know, you get a, a wind that powerful. It could knock your vehicle over the freeway. Absolutely, you know? yes. And I just kept going. I looked. I went, God, that's sort of unusual. And the whole day it was gloomy, and it's usually it's summer. It's really hot here, and, and the sun didn't peak out till like, uh, 1 o'clock. And it was very strange, and I was, I was, I was wondering if, Anybody have you heard of uh, if they've been testing the harp or something like that? <laughs> harp. Um, well, no, uh, sir. No particular reports. I know that uh, harp testing is underway right now. We can hear it on the shortwave bands. In fact, uh, playfully, some of the guys have recorded harp and they've been playing it back, and it's very odd sounding. I think uh, on some show past years i did play harp for you but some of the new harp sounds are really weird i'll tell you what i'll do i'll get harp recorded for you and play it here on the air they're playing uh, i say playing they're transmitting some very odd sounding harmonic relationships that could cause well we don't know do we here's an interesting headline for you californians global warming could affect california Global warming could cause dramatically hotter summers and a depleted snowpack in California, leading to a sharp increase in heat-related deaths and jeopardizing the water supply. This is a story that was uh, a study, rather, released Monday, and I'm reading from Yahoo News. The report is substantially more pessimistic than previous, was dismissed by one weather expert as, quote, another piece of climate alarmism, end quote, but... The study, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists, focused on California because of its diverse climate, large economy, agricultural interior, and profuse profuse, rather, pollution from industries and population centers. The researchers used computer models, they say, illustrate the consequences of doing nothing or adopting, quote, relatively aggressive policies like the greater use of renewable energy. But what do they say can happen? Well... Get this. The 19 scientists who prepared the report included experts from Stanford, University of California, Berkeley, and so forth and so on. If we do not take action now to reduce emissions of greenhouse gases, the consequences for California after about 2050 will become significantly more harmful than if we take action now. Under the most optimistic computer model, periods of extreme heat what would quadruple in Los Angeles by the end of the century, killing two or three times more people than heat waves today. The Sierra uh, Nevada snowback would decline, get this, by 30 to 70 percent, and alpine forests would shrink 
50 to 75 percent. The most pessimistic models show five to seven times as many heat-related deaths in L.A., with six to eight times as many heat waves. Snowpack and high-altitude forests would shrink up to 90 percent. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. How you doing, Art? I'm doing all right, sir. My name is Dennis. I'm calling from Jackson, Michigan. Welcome. WKHM. Yes, sir. Hey, i got a cat story for you. A cat story, all right. Yeah, and I know that uh, I'm a cat lover just like I know you are. Ah, yes, four of the furry beasts. I know it. But, uh, and I think this story might have something to do with why I like cats so much. I was probably about eight or nine years old. And being as a young kid, I was a, I was a horror movie freak. Well, we had this big cat. His name was Smokey. And when I say big cat, I mean, I'd say probably about eight or eight to ten pounds. I mean, it was a big, big male cat. Yeah. And, uh, one time I was, the thing started out with, I was sitting on my bed one, one night, probably about seven or eight o'clock at night, and we had one of those toy organs, you know, and I was sitting on it, playing it. And I happened to look over and the cat was on the bed, and I noticed that its eyes were pure black. Pure black, and it, you know, when it, I looked at it, and it kind of, you know, set me back a little bit. But then, whenever I really started looking at it, it kind of hypnotized me. And this cat was in a crouching position, yes, and was crouching towards me, and its head was during this doing the serpentine thing. <laughs> and I was scared to death, and it kept coming closer and closer, and pretty soon, it was stalking you. Uh, not only did it stalk me, but it reached up and it took hold of my throat. Your and it held, it held me there. I mean, probably at the time it was like two seconds, but it seemed like, I mean, cat's teeth are sharp. Oh, yeah. And I've never been so scared in my life. And it held me there for about, like I said, two seconds, but it seemed like an eternity and just let go. Do you think your cat was possessed? Uh, I tell you what. That was the whole thing about it, because when I looked at it, as soon as I looked at it, I knew something was different. Well, the black eyes are a big tip-off, right? Yes, and so as soon as it let go, I ran downstairs crying to my mom and dad, saying, you know, Smokey attacked me. Smokey had me by the throat, and they looked at me and said, you've been watching too many scary movies. Well, you did admit you watched many of them. Oh, yes. (laughs) But you're telling me this is real. Oh, yes. Smokey... Had you by the throat and yes, it did. could have ripped your throat out in a yes. half so about second. Two weeks later, now this this happened, the first time it happened was about the end of November. And then about two weeks later was uh, in the middle of December, and, and it was Christmas time, and I was laying under the Christmas tree, you know, looking at the lights and my presents and what's going to be in them and everything. Yeah. And I happened to look over, and there's the kitty with the same black eyes. Hmm. And it did the same exact thing. Took hold of my throat. I went running to mom and dad and crying, and they said the same thing. You've been watching too many scary movies. Hmm. Well, forward another week and a half, two weeks, Christmas Eve. Mom and dad are on the couch. My two younger brothers are laying on the floor with me. Very quickly, we're about to go to break. Okay. I happen to look over, and the cat's got the same look in its eyes. Mm-hmm. I told Mom, I said, Mom, Smokey's got that same look in its eyes. Yes. That cat came over and grabbed me by the throat right in front of my parents. 
Really? Yes. And so they immediately became believers. What happened to Smokey? Oh, well, Dad got up, kicked in the cross room, and got out of the shotgun. <laughs> oh, no. And me and my two brothers, don't kill Smokey, don't kill Smokey. Well, bottom line is, didn't kill Smokey, never did it again. All right. Thanks for the call, sir. All right. Hey, it's great talking to you. Take care. Well, Smokey, no doubt, after looking down those barrels for a moment, decided um, discretion would be the better part of valor. Nine lives or not, shotguns seem to end things uh, forever and ever. We'll be right back. With Art Bell. Call the wildcard line at area code 775 727 1295. The first time caller line is area code 775 727 1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll free at 800 825 5033. From west of the Rockies, call Art at 800 618 8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5. And dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is indeed, and our lines are absolutely open. So if you've got a really compelling story, a very compelling story of some sort, then we want to hear from you. If you're a time traveler... Feel free to use any line you're able to get through on. I'm always, always, always interested in time travelers. This is Open Lines, Coast to Coast AM and well beyond. We go. First time caller line, you are on the air. Hello. Yes, Mr. Bell. Howdy. Uh, can you hear me? I hear I'm you. I'm on one of those cell phones. Of course. Um, I'm here in West Palm Beach, Florida. Oh. And Yeah, and I was listening to uh, one of your shows and about the guy that took a flashlight out and the UFOs would come. That's right. And uh, so I tried that, and they came. <laughs> 
They are here right now. I'm outside looking. I went and tried to call wait, wait, you. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying there are UFOs over uh, what? Yes. They're well, turning green, red. They're circling my head. There's a triangle right, did you say, my head. Hold on. Did you, right excuse now. me. Did you say Palm Beach or West Palm? West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach. Florida. All right. How high in the sky are they? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I, they, they keep going up. Now they're all back over my head again. There's little orbs. And then the uh, ones that look like a star, they change colors uh, from red to green. To, uh, one's twinkling at me now. I All right. Do, do you, now, do you think these are high enough so other people in West Palm would see them? Oh, gosh, yeah. They're right over my head. All right. Then attention, West Palm Beach. Outside, please, looking up. And, and some that look like stars, some that look like little orbs. And they're all moving? Yes. They're right, right over my head right now. And there's one. See, I started... I was out here looking with my binoculars, and I can see the colors, uh, them changing colors, because if you look at them with your regular eyes, they look like uh, just stars twinkling, uh -huh. but they're real low. And I noticed that these orbs, there's a triangle-shaped one right over my head right now, huh. and they're real low. They oh. come real low. Brother. And uh, so I started talking, going, uh, oh, well... Uh, you know, are you glad to see me tonight? You know, just talking. And all of a sudden, one started twinkling at me and moving up and down. And I said, did you hear me? And it moved again. <laughs> and I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> but so I started talking to it, asking it questions. And I said, move up and down for yes and sideways for no. And that's what it's doing. It's doing it right now, trying to get my attention. All right. Now, tell forth. one of them you want to take a ride. No. That's what I did already. I made that, and they started coming down. <laughs> I asked them if I could get a picture, and they, that's when they all moved in. See, I went inside to call you. Well, and then, they, for God's sake, wait a minute. I walked back get out get your camera. Out. Where's your camera? I have it. I'm just taking pictures, but I doubt it's going to come out. I only have a Canon, a little uh, Canon. Well, no See, here's one coming right now, a big one, a big white one. And it's turning green and red. I can see it with naked eyes. Oh, my God. Right uh, all right. Uh, I, I don't know and what to say. Still, and then they move back and forth in and out of the clouds. And uh, then they move up and down. All right. And they all move together. All right. Uh, Got it. Uh, let's get uh, the, the obvious thing to do, thank you, is to get other people in West Palm Beach out of their homes looking up. And let's see if we can get – there are any number of ways to get hold of me by email or you can uh, flash me on the computer. Uh, send a uh, fast blast on the computer, and let's get other people in the West Palm area out and see if others are seeing these. I'm not sure about the advisability of trying to communicate with them, but uh, everybody, I suppose, will do what they do. And the person she was referring to, of course, was Dr. Stephen Greer, uh, who has established communications using exactly that method. So who's to say? Let's see if we can get other reports. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Hello, Hi. this is uh, um, Wayne. Yes? Yeah, and uh, I'm calling up I'm from uh, Asperia, and I have a story to tell you. Uh, basically, I'll make it fast because I know you have a lot of callers. Um, this clown appeared to me and my wife at night. First, I just saw some bushy orange hair Did in you, the doorway. A clown? Yeah. You should be basically, calling George with this, but basic, okay. Basically, I hadn't seen it. So I know that my mind wasn't in that mindset at all. And then it just stood in the doorway, and it had the big shoes and a, a half moon and star kind of a, a configuration on, on its outfit. Yes. Then it moved over 
to where my wife was, and it just stared at her. About this time, I, you know, my heart started racing. You know how it does, and the adrenaline starts rushing, and you start kind of panicking, you know. And I said, I'm not in my right mind. I was even saying that to myself. I, I, I have to, I'm going to go see a doctor tomorrow. This is what I was thinking to myself, because yeah. I'm crazy. So I tapped my wife, and I go, and he says, just tell me. I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. What's at the foot of the bed? Yes. She got up, and her eyes get big as saucers, and she screams, and she dies underneath the covers. And, she, and I asked her, what did you see? And she said, there's a clown at the foot of the bed. And so I, I uh, became kind of uh, angry at this point, and, and I got up, and I went to squeeze the clown's neck. And right when I went to squeeze the clown's neck, there was nothing there. It disappeared. <laughs> I, 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 I want you to make sure and try and call George and tell him this story. He loves clown stories, so uh, plant that one on him, all right? That's a good one. I, I appreciate your call, sir. Thank yeah. you. All right, take care. And so he gave the clown a good old choke. <laughs> that is indeed kind of a weird story. What do you make of all this? These things that happen to people that we're hearing on the air. These things that cannot be explained, these things that, uh, I don't know, you say, well, they're as crazy as a loon. But, you know, these people are not. I mean, in this case, we have two witnesses. So what was that? An apparition? A spirit? Something manifested from his own mind or that of his sleeping wife? Well, who knows? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. My name is Sharon, and I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Sharon. Okay. And... On June 5th in 1999, my husband, myself, and my, my daughter, who was 18 at the time, was standing out in our backyard. We lived in the city. It was a you know nice night. The moon was out. I'm standing there. We're just talking. And I look up, and I see this light in the sky, and it's a beautiful blue color. Mm-hmm. And before I can say anything, it kind of gets brighter and then flashes across the sky. Well, when this happens, all the electricity goes out. Everywhere. There was no dogs barking. We lived close to a highway. There was no cars. My uh, son-in-law and son were inside playing the PlayStation, Mm -hmm. you know, those PlayStation games. At least until the power went out. Yeah. So then my husband asked me strange questions. He said, what just happened? And I said, did you see that? And my daughter said, I'm scared. And I said, wait a minute. So we walk out to the driveway, and we're out there, and it's like, a good two, three minutes this is going on. My son-in-law and son come outside and say, what happened? Goofy things. They said, well, did the moon just blow up? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I'm standing there in pitch dark blackness. Have you ever been to San Antonio, the Tower of Americas? Uh, I can see it. From... My, di- my dear, I did basic training at uh, Lockland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, even the Tower of Americas was out because we could see it. We lived close to downtown. So whatever it was knocked out all the power. Yeah, there was no sound, no cars. And, and, all, right, all right, so obviously in a city that size, there's going to be news and news stories of what happened. What did they claim? They did. Nobody said anything. That's what freaked us out. And for how long did the power remain out? I, I, I can't give you an estimate. Uh, two, three minutes. Okay. And here's the kicker. When their PlayStation game came back on, you know, if... Uh, Electricity is interrupted. The PlayStation game will automatically start over and reset. Of course. It didn't. The, their little cars crashed into each other. The game was actually still going on. Oh, that's pretty weird. Yeah, and the <laughs> clock in our bedroom 
didn't lose any time, and it didn't have a battery in it or anything. Oh, well, that's doubly weird. Uh, yeah. All right, so I, I have no idea what happened to you, but it begs questions about uh, magnetic fields, I suppose, and perhaps even uh, time skips or something like that. There's a lot of those that seem to go on. Uh, there, there may even be evidence that a time travel of a sort is occurring. And again, I refer you back to so many people who believed that Nelson Mandela had died. I was one of them, that that was in my memory, that Nelson Mandela had died. But in fact, he, of course, did not, went on to lead South Africa for a period. Anyway, it may well be that when there is a time disruption of some sort, or a time traveler does something that disrupts the continuity of uh, what otherwise would have been, that as Professor Kaku says, another bubble is formed, and we're all of a sudden in a world where an outcome is different than it would have been otherwise. However, some vestige of memory appears to be still in our minds about the way it would have gone if it hadn't changed. And that's the best way I can think of to explain it. Maybe, perhaps, that was one of those moments. Welcome to the Rockies. You're on the air. Hi. This, my name is Ann. Hello, Ann. Hi. Um, I was calling to talk about Roswell, New Mexico. I lived there for almost 14 years. Really? Really. Um, there's a lot of strange things, not just in Roswell. There's a place called La Luz Canyon. And uh, they have a, there's an underground city there that okay. the government has going on. How do you know about that? Well, um, we were all over there. A friend of mine used to live there, and uh, our kids, being uh, pre-teens, obviously not listening, took off, and they were gone for several hours, uh, a good 15 hours. We were scared to death. Sure. And uh, then these, guys, uh, these gentlemen brought the kids back, and uh, we call them men in black, you know, for lack of a better term. So you think they stumbled into this underground facility and... Men in Black, or their equivalent, brought, right, brought right. your children home. Yes, they did. Um, what it was, is there's a lot of missile silos around there. Sure. And, uh, I guess the kids had crawled off into one, and uh, there was uh, what the kids had said, there was a great big fan, but it wasn't going. And they crawled, crawled between the blades, and they said there was just like great big huge corridors yeah, lit up. It would have been a ventilation system, yeah. Exactly. And uh, they were just often wandering around in there, and they they... they, they were caught and they were detained. That's totally freaky. Uh, yes, scared scared us to death. Um, they basically told uh, my friend that lived there that um, you need to keep a better eye on your children because we can detain them indefinitely. Oh. <laughs> because they were. Uh, well, what did your children say they had seen? I mean, any did they get to anything really hairy? No, no, they didn't. But. Uh, they, they were just walking up the corridor. They got caught before they could really... Doing what kids do. All exactly. Right. Got it. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, uh, I don't know about detained indefinitely, but I suppose if there really are things that in our wildest imagination we do imagine may be beneath the ground in New Mexico and areas like the one I live in here, then yes, to to actually see them... Uh, I suppose, could get you detained indefinitely. Still, that's what children do. First time caller line, you are on the air. Hello. Hello. 
Hello? That's a, yes. Hello? Is, is Art Bell? That would be me. Hello, Art. I got a ghost story for you. All right. Let her rip. Uh, I was in LaGrange, Texas. Uh, like the song LaGrange by ZZ Top? Yes. And uh, I was talking to my wife on the telephone. I was in a hotel room there. I very, very distinctly felt two small footfalls on the bed behind me. <laughs> I had my shirt off. And it felt like somebody blew on my back. Mm. And uh, I didn't have any weird feelings or any malevolent feelings about it. And a few days later, I was talking to a lady named Nita who'd been in that hotel for about three or four years. It was an oil and gas play. We were a bunch of landmen down there. And she said, well, that's the room where that little boy died. Mm. And apparently about a year and a half earlier, a little boy had been, you know, they made a form in one of the pull-out drawers in the dresser. Yes. And they got good and drunk and apparently closed the drawer by accident and the little boy suffocated. And the week before, my son had been up there visiting me. He was about two. And his favorite game at the time was to jump on the bed and hop on my back. And like this little fella wanted to play. <laughs> and so he blew on your back. It was just a very strange occurrence. Uh-huh. Well, the world is full of them, and thanks for sharing that one with us. It is indeed. I'm still very desperately trying to make up my mind about the whole ghost question. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really brought back to the couple that I frequently interview from Utah uh, who bring us electronic voice phenomena, otherwise known as voices from the other side. And I cannot try as I may. I cannot knock holes in what they're doing. And I do believe they are indeed getting voices from... Well, of course, that's a problem. I, I, I don't know really where they're from, whether they're truly the other side. They sound like they are. Some of them are so eerie, referring to, it. Uh, I mean, a little child's voice saying it's cold or it's dark in here, in a plaintive little child's voice. And you can't ignore that, And nor can you attribute it to some nearby AM or FM station or some other interfering something that you might imagine. There's just no way, and I have come up with no explanation. That's why I continue to have them on the air. No reasonable explanation other than we are hearing from, well, something or some things from somewhere else. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Mark? Yes. Hi, uh, I'm Scott, and I'm calling from WABC in New York. W77. Yes. Yes, sir. And I just wanted to let you know a couple of things. Uh, number one, I published in a major film magazine in New York here that September 11, 2001 was going to be the biggest event in the history of America. You published that? Yes, I did. And yeah. I could send you well, yes, do anything you want. If you want to give me a fax number off the air. Uh, well, that's difficult to do being the, the lone operator here, but um, uh, just email it to me. Email it? Email, yes. Email. Another thing I did was uh, I also predicted, in that sort of vein, uh, Chernobyl. Okay, you're making these predictions based on what? Well, I'm doing the um, the biggest musical the world's ever seen. Musical? Yeah, so what? I no. said that I published that September 11, 2001 was going to be the biggest event I, in the history of America. Uh, all based on the release date of your musical? Of my of a film, in this film okay, uh, so festival. Well, that, that was see, that's a little on. bit different than predicting what, what actually occurred on that day. 
Well, it's not that different. I, it's very you know, different, I, as it is. I mean, there were obviously a lot of things would have occurred on September 11th other than the, the horrid thing that did occur, that. right? So Another thing I did was I'm the only one in the whole world who, uh, in 1974, I recorded a uh, California mega concert that was nearly bigger than Woodstock. Okay. I've got major press for that. Okay. And I have a video of it in also. Can I mention the name of the concert? No. Okay. No, I'd rather you didn't. But, right. Uh, uh, I have a video of that concert. It's, it's the most uh, uh, astounding thing uh, you've ever seen. Okay. Why are you telling me all this on the air? I mean, how does it relate to what we're talking about? Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's, is the show like totally devoted to ghosts and UFOs? No, and, uh, no, no, no. But nor is it totally devoted to sort of press releases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, sir. Thank you very much. Happy for you. I thought we were on to something for a moment there. The the interesting thing, of course, about September 11th is that there really was nobody that I'm aware of. I mean, there were some sort of weak attempts at claims of predictions, but there really were none. And I thought it was really fair, frankly, when many people said, well, where were the remote viewers? Where were the psychics? Where were... Where was the whole group of them in one of the biggest events that's occurred? No, the biggest event, I suppose, that's occurred in our lifetime. Not a one of them caught whiff of it. Uh, we had no people calling up uh, saying September 11th, oh, my God, something awful is going to happen, watch out, all the rest of it. What you would have expected just simply didn't occur in or out of this forum or any other that I'm aware of. International Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art, how you doing? All right, sir. Where are you? Okay, my name is Tim. I'm calling from Tijuana, Mexico. Tijuana, Mexico. Excellent. All right. Question. Um, I got a question and a comment. Because my question first is, what exactly is a secret society? Because we know the names and the players <laughs> of Skull and Bones, and we know about the names like Illuminati. So apparently they're not secret. Um. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you. Can, look, can you, uh, even being in Tijuana, can you afford to hold on a few moments? Sure. All right, good. Uh, we've got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM in the middle of the night. I'm Art Bell.
Talk with Art Bell. Call the Wild Card Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. A bit of breaking news, folks. Look at this. There were rumors of this on the Internet, rumors all over the Internet, but I didn't want to read it to you till it hit something I knew, and here it is on Yahoo.com, Dateline Moscow. A Russian scientist has reopened the controversy over a gigantic explosion in 1908 Siberia with a claim that he has found debris from an extraterrestrial space vehicle or UFO which collided with a comet. On June 30th, 1908, a colossal flash lit up the sky over Siberia, followed by an explosion with the power of a thousand atom bombs. I'm reading this directly off the web. It obliterated the forest for hundreds of square miles in the basin of the river at Tunguska. People living in the villages of Siberia thought there had been an earthquake. Humans, animals alike, were thrown to the ground by the shockwave. Windows were blown in. No meteorite debris was ever found. And scientists conclude that a core of a comet or an asteroid had exploded. Researcher Yuri Lubin spent 12 years researching the mystery of the Tunguska meteorite and now believes he has found the key to one of the great scientific enigmas of the last century, though many scientists remain skeptical. He is president of the Tunguska Spatial Phenomena Foundation, uh, made up of about 15 enthusiasts, among them geologists, chemists, uh, physicists, mineralogists, who have been organizing regular expeditions to that area since 1994. His theory is that a comet and a mysterious flying machine collided 10 kilometers, 6 miles, above the Earth's surface, causing the explosion. He and his team say that an expedition uh, to the river in July between two villages found two strange black stones in the form of regular cubes with their sides measuring a meter and a half, or about 5 feet. These stones, quote, are manifestly not of natural origin, end quote, he says. They appear to have been fired and their material recalls an alloy used to make space rockets, while at the beginning of the 20th century only planes made of plywood existed. He claims uh, that the cubes are the remains of a flying machine, perhaps an extraterrestrial spaceship, while admitting that an analysis of the stones has yet to be done. He found something else, a huge white stone the size of a peasant's hut, stuck in the top of a crag in the middle of a deforested forest. Local people call it the reindeer stone. It is made of a crystalline matter, which is not typical of the region. He says it's just it's part of the core of a comet. So there you have it. If you want to do more reading, you can peruse Yahoo and see what you find. But now they're saying... The evidence exists on ground that Tunguska was more than, well, more than reported.
Well, all right. I'm going to go back on something I said earlier. Um, I said that I would hold all lines open for time travelers. That is not going to work. Over the years, I should have learned this. Um, it's There are too many millions of you out there. So for that reason, after I take the next call from the first-time caller line, somebody legitimately there as a first-time caller, I am therefore going to restrict that line from here on out in the show only to people who claim to have traveled in time. Uh, that number, of course, is area code 775-727-1222. Let me repeat that number because I'm going to restrict it to time travelers only. Area code 775-727-1222. As soon as we pick up the, uh, the next caller, legitimately there, from that point onward, uh, it's going to be for time travelers only. I always, you know, I, I try not to think of how many people are in the audience or it would make me too nervous, but occasionally you have to recognize there are millions of you out there, and so the chances of somebody claiming to have traveled in time getting through are very slim indeed unless I do what I'm going to do now, and that is restrict that line. So there you have it. Uh, international line, I think down in Mexico, you're back on the air. Thank you very much, Art. Yes, sir. Yeah, so how can they be secret societies if we know who the players are and the names of the organizations? I don't know. I, I, I As I was saying, sir, I, I kind of gave up on it. Um, you know, once you've been accused of being in a secret society, huh. uh, your options uh, just about completely evaporate because there's there's certainly no point in saying, oh, no, I'm not, because that just fuels the fire. I don't think you are. So, well, thank you. Uh, oh. You're one of the very few. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, so I'm not, of course, but, uh, but 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 I found that it does no good to deny that fact, so I don't. Actually, and I got a comment, too. Remember you said a while back that you're saying that you're not one of the greatest talk show hosts around? Well, there's a talk show host up here in Los Angeles on another network said that you are one of the greatest talk show hosts around <laughs> I don't know sir I just um, I, I don't know I just do what I do and I guess that determination will be made with um, uh, years and years that will pass and you know those things are never known as they occur and I, I certainly don't rate myself in any special way I just love doing what I do and how I end up falling in the scheme of things will be determined probably long after I'm gone so better not to dwell on these things. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. How are you doing tonight? I'm all Hi. right. Uh, first time caller here. I just, uh, I listened to you several years ago. I believe it was back in 97. Yes, sir. Um, I was working late, working the night shift, and I remember hearing a man come on to your station and you spoke with, and he was very... Very excited. He was upset. He started becoming escalated. Um, he indicated to you that he was um, a time traveler and he had some information. And the last words he said was that they are triangulating on me at this time. Oh, God, of and course. You're talking about the time we went, we went off the air, the satellite. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I'll never forget that in, in, as long as I shall live, believe me. I, that was 
pretty much the last time I I listened to you because I I kind of it's hit and miss. I didn't know if you were on lately and uh, <laughs> lately when I heard, that night I, I tell you what my, I was there with my friend and we heard that and uh, he didn't sound like he was really. <laughs> You know, fabricating anything. Oh, I, I know. I, I can tell you, uh, because, of course, I was here, and what happened is the satellite actually began to tumble in space, an odd occurrence uh, for, for that particular moment, wouldn't you say? Anyway, uh, that blew us off the air big time, and that record has been used, or that uh, that. that a couple of minutes of audio has been used by people who have made records and all kinds of things. ZZ Top uh, put it in the, in the beginning of one of their records. It was one of the oddest moments of radio that have ever occurred, as far as I know. And in the split second after we got thrown off the air by the tumbling satellite, that man was screaming. The end of that call was nothing but a series of the most blood-curdling screams you've ever heard in your life. And, of course, at that point, I was in total scramble trying to figure out what possibly could have done this, it was really, really, really weird. So there's no follow-up to it other than what you w did not hear and what you would have heard had we remained on the air was just this series of blood-curdling screams. So I guess we'll never know, but it was one of those moments in radio, no doubt. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. Art? Yes. Great. Great. Uh, my best to you and yours. And um, Thank you. Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer is a bona fide genius. Well, he's a bona fide, very brave man. That's yeah, what I'm sure. I mean, really, really is. Um, do, do you think that they're just taking um, you and all the secret society stuff? I mean, you have to have a private circle of, uh, of influential friends. You know what I mean? You think? I think they're just drawing conclusions, or not conclusions, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Well... I hear what you say. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm. Do, um, do you think I do you think I am a member of a secret society, a powerful secret society? Do you believe that? I believe that you you more than anybody else have a very large black book of some of the more influential people on the planet. That may be. And I wonder why you've never taken a remote viewing course. <laughs> All right, well that's easy. I'm Happy to answer that one. I've never taken a remote viewing course because, truth be told, I don't want to know. Uh, for example, one, I am told, can view the manner of their own death. Well, I guess I don't want to know. Let it be a surprise. As I think I would prefer most major events in my life to be, I mean, would you really want to know? Would you really, really want to know what, you know, what the cosmic dice have in store for you. That's why I have not done it. And I understand there are many people who would want to know, and fine, go right ahead, be my guest. I'm just not one of those who wishes to know. Now, you can accept that answer, or you can believe that within my powerful black book of friends, I already know anyway. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello? Hey, Art. Yes. Fascinating show, like it always is. And uh, did your show evolve into the topic like it is, uh, or was that a plan? No, it was not a plan. Um, the program, uh, the program evolved. I uh, look um, years ago, many years ago in the 80s, I was doing a political talk show like 
all of the other gazillions across the dial you can hear on command. And I guess I got bored. And when I got bored, I began to do things that nobody had ever done on radio before. And everybody around me totally freaked out. And I said, too bad. This is what I think I'm going to try. And that's how it happened. Well, you know, I hope I hope you're on for many years to come because I just can't imagine anybody else uh, replacing uh, the effectiveness that you have in conducting the show. Thank you. It's, I... fasc- it's fascinating. But, Art, what I wanted to tell you about... Uh, just a real brief thing. When I was uh, about 17 years old, still in high school, uh, a buddy of mine and I used to trade off driving to school. And uh, one evening I went to do my homework this particular day. Couldn't find my books. <clears throat> this has to do with the parallel universe uh, theory. Okay. And I just gave up. And I, I called this buddy of mine, and, I, and lo and behold, my books were in the back of his car. And at the time, of course, it's so far back, you know, you may think, well, it's explainable. But, in fact, it was not explainable. Mm-hmm. And the recency of it is, is what made it so incredibly hard to believe. And I never even heard of the parallel universe theory until listening to your show a few years ago, I guess. That makes but, both of us. Uh, same here. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I think quite clearly uh, things do happen, which I guess, you know, what do we do? We explain them away somehow or another in our own brain because our our brain screams for us to have an understanding of something and so we our brain you know writes it off in one way or another but things do happen which are totally inexplicable we we just sort of you know like your books for example uh if you're absolutely certain you didn't leave them there absolutely then, certain well then okay so then possibly in some other timeline and maybe timelines are switching on us all the time there's and, no other explanation and we wouldn't know it, um, except perhaps by some dim memory or some happenstance like your books, right? Right, but see, remember, this was this was the very time it happened, you know, and, I mean, this was, it was real time, so, I mean, it, it couldn't have happened. That, that was, I mean, I, I, as I talk about it, I become emphatic about it because it was so absolutely incredible. But, uh, anyway, uh, great, great programming art, and I hope you stay on for many, many years to come because... All right. uh, All right. and, Fantastic entertainment. Thank you very much, and take care. Well, right. Appreciate that. Yes, those things may be reflective of the fact that uh, something is tampering with our timeline. And as I explained a little while ago, when it does, there's every reason to believe that another bubble is created, another universe in which we plunge headlong as though nothing had happened, only now things are going to unfold in a very different way. And, of course, we wouldn't begin to be aware of any of this because to us it just seems like a linear progression of time has occurred. Life has continued as normal, and yet not really because another bubble formed and we're now moving down a completely different path than we would have otherwise. Hence all my interest in time travel West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Art? Yes. This is Vance in California. Howdy. Howdy. Hey, um, I think Richard loves you so much, he could just be hurt that you're not having him on quite as much. <laughs> That's how I would reduce that. <laughs> and so you you think, uh, if, if you follow that line of reasoning, that because I haven't had him on as much, according to you, um, then he's accusing me of being in a 
secret society. I think that caller before has got it. Pretty drastic. Pretty drastic, I'd say. Pardon me? Pretty drastic, I'd say. Yeah, and that may be completely wrong. Art, I just wanted to ask you a question, and I hope to phrase it properly, because I really, really would like to know your response. Sure. And I'm hoping to stage a comeback on talk radio myself, but I won't mention where. They'll just have to hunt for me. And this is the question. I have to be careful. Under the concept of woe unto them through which it comes, that's the last part of it, not to get into that too much, but I think what you were talking about last night really might come under that heading and forget the first part, but let's say it quickly, it must needs be regarding what anyone now will think I'm a traitor initially, but we need to know what bin Laden and Al-Qaeda think they think they're doing with what they think are their right motives. And why would, why would you imagine people to think of you as a traitor for wondering about that? Well, just because I, that's, I'm a little bit scared of this burgeoning police state. I'm not as anti-Bush as many. I'm a little scared of it myself. Uh, you know, we, we're going to have to we're going to have to watch all of this very closely. I'm I'm scared of this burgeoning police state as well. Uh, we've got the Patriot Act. Well. Uh, Patriot Acts are all fine and well, but at some point they begin to diminish that which they uh, claim to try to protect. It's such a fine line, and I just don't... I wouldn't want to be one of the men or woman, women trying to figure out where that line is and w when we have step, stepped over it, right? Would you? We must protect America, and we must protect the American citizens. That is the job of our government, among others, but a prime uh, part of their job is to protect us and to protect the country. And in that effort, it's pretty easy to walk over the line and begin to actually cause the enemy to win by imposing such draconian laws and regulations that we now have what we're fighting to fighting against. Not an easy job, uh, to be sure. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi. Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Chris. And what's up, Chris? I'm from Indiana. Yes. Art, I didn't travel, but uh, the person I met did. You met a time traveler, you're sure? Well, I'm. you've got to hear me out on this. When I was in Las Vegas, I was at the MGM. And I was sitting there at the bar, and a gentleman walked up to me and sat down, and he looked like he'd had a rough night. He had a suit, a black suit with a white shirt. Yes. He asked me how my luck was, and I said, not good, not good at all. And he said, go to the Flamingo. I said, what? He said, go to the Flamingo. Hold on, sir. So, we're, we're at a break point. I'm going to hold you over, all right? all right? This is a man who claims to have met a time traveler, and what... what Yes, yeah, certainly. Las Vegas. Oh, you bet. Time travel country. No question about it. If you're ever going to travel in time, Las Vegas would be the place. Blackjack table. Traps. <laughs> you name it. I mean, if you knew the next several rolls of dice at a crap table, well, you'd be rich and probably... Real quiet about the whole thing, wouldn't you? I'm Art Bell. Music in me. I got music in me. I got music in me. 
To talk with Art Bell, call the Wildcard line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Indeed so. Uh, the number, I'll tell you, the number of incredible stories I'm getting right now on on what's going on all around us, the ecology is amazing. European winters could disappear by 2080. This, is, again, comes from Yahoo. Heat waves and floods are likely to become more frequent, threatening the elderly and infirm. Three quarters of the Swiss Alp glaciers might melt down by 2050. Now, these are lines you read, but do you really consider? Three quarters of the Swiss Alps glaciers may be gone by 2050. If you look at the north part of the world right now, and by that I mean the North Pole, it's melting. <laughs> north Pole is melting, yes. There'll be a bit of a refreeze, but uh, just about every year it gets smaller. And if you look at photographs from 10 years ago and look at them now, it's obvious the entire North Pole is melting. These sentences come rolling out of my mouth, uh, but you've got to really stop and say, what, what did he just say? The North Pole is melting? The glaciers in the Alps are going to be gone in Switzerland? Alaska is melting? These are serious matters. And I wonder if we're really digesting them as we should. Anyway, back to open lines in a moment. Hey. All right, listen, I'm trying to keep up on this West Palm Beach thing. Uh, here's one person. Hi, Art Updates. Any updates on Palm Beach, West Palm Beach? I'm along the intercoastal. Lots of open space, good visibility, storm to the north, lots of lightning. What's interesting is a single high-powered spotlight is keeps swooshing across the sky. I wonder if that's an attempt at some kind of contact. So I'll continue to take any ongoing reports uh, from West Palm if something really is happening there. Interesting. You're back on the air again. Hi. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, anyway, what what I was doing was sitting there, kind of sulking over my losses, my losses. But uh, anyway, this man walked up with a with a suit on, and he was kind of a movie star looking kind of guy with a dark hair, slick back, Vaseline, almost like the late thirties or forties. Um, and he just he sat down, and I I thought he looked pretty rough, and he 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 said, "Go to the flamingo." And, and I said, "What do you what do you say?" And he said, "Go to the flamingo, and play in the table in front of me." Really? And, and I said, "Well, I don't." I in don't. in front of him. That's what he said. In other words, he was going to be there as well to point the way. He said, "Play the table in front of me." Yeah, got you. All right. So anyway, I asked him if he wanted to drink because I used to drink uh, scotch, and he said, "I'd love a scotch." And he took a scotch and he walked away. Yes. And I asked the bartender, I said, have you ever saw him before? And he said, well, I, I didn't really see who you were sitting by. I hadn't seen anybody sit by you tonight. And uh, as I watched him go up the escalator, he, he, he sort of disappeared. Mm. 
But there was a lot of people at the MGM. This was the night of the Tyson fight. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm sure you beat feet to the Flamingo, right? Well, I went out and got in the bus, and I'd never ridden in a bus in my life. A yes, sir. public bus. It was 4 in the morning. Yes, sir. And I went down and just went. I wasn't sure exactly where the Flamingo was at that time. But there it was. And so I walked in the main door, and I walked around the blackjack tables because that's my favorite game. Yes. And I never did see this gentleman standing by a table. And I I thought to myself, well, this is crazy. And then I looked over to the left, and there's a cardboard figure of a person full size. you got to be kidding. And I didn't, know who, I didn't know who it was at all. And I asked one of the dealers, I said, well, who's that cardboard figure? Because it looked just like the guy met at the Flamingo. Yes. And he said, well, that's Bugsy Siegel. Oh, and I, oh, and I said, you got He's it. a father of Las Vegas. That's what he told me. He said, that's Bugsy Siegel. That's the founding and, father of the city well, over the hill. Well, anyway, he was his cardboard statue or figure was right there. So you played? I played and won $7,000. Oh, my God. Now, that's I, one hell of a story. That it's is a true story. You, you, you swear on TV Guide. Well, I swear to you, that's a true story. I told my son this story. <laughs> Me and my son went and stayed out in Peru also for uh, for about a week. And I've listened to you over, over the years. But actually, I stayed in Crystal, that little city just north of Peru. Oh, that is a little city indeed. Uh, yeah, Crystal. there's four rooms out there. Uh -huh. But that's what we spent the money on was just hanging around out there. Seven grand. Yeah. Well, that's a hell of a story, man. Thank you very, very much for the call. That's really a cool story. Yeah, Bugsy. Bugsy was mafia. Bugsy is the man who founded Las Vegas. The founding father of Las Vegas. That's quite a claim, huh? Gangster founded the city. Well, he did. He could as, uh, have, uh, we've often wondered, you know, if he'd stumbled over the hill, Las Vegas might be where I'm sitting at the moment. That's an incredible story. And you know something else? It kind of figures that Bugsy'd be hanging around. And where else would he be? <laughs> that was a good one. All right, we're uh, we're reserving the uh, first time caller line now for time travelers only, and that number is seven seven five seven two seven one two two two. But time travelers only. Uh, what wildcard line? You're on the air. Hi. Hi, this is Peter from Sedona. Hello, Peter. I am a first time caller. Um, I was inspired to call when I heard that. Call, call in about his cat, domestic cat that latched onto his throat and I let go. Yes, yes, three times. I was on my back in the middle of the night watching television with a cat curl up on my chest sleeping. Yes. Uh, she woke up suddenly. Um, I guess my body tensed up at a tense moment on the TV show. Um, and next thing I know, she lashed ten claws around my eyes. Oh, my um, God. And I just read that off as instinct. Um, I guess, you know, she woke up and was freaked out. But it turned out, it turned out after all that she had ear mites. That was the cause. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's, well, what a way to I tell you, did. huh? Yeah, okay. What Thank a way! You, Lord. To, yeah, you're very welcome. What a way to tell you. I've got ear mites here. <laughs> Cats are odd creatures. I wake up many, many times in the middle of the night thinking, "Boy, what a heavy chest!" You know, and there's a great big twelve or thirteen pound black cat sleeping on my chest. And they dream. Uh, they definitely dream as well. You can see them. They have little cat dreams. I don't know what it's about, but their, their, their little claws are coming out, and their, their little paws are going back and forth, and sometimes they're even running in their sleep. 
You know, they're running after something. I suppose a cat would dream of what? Bugs? Perhaps mice? Or perhaps things we can't begin to understand. Whatever, they do dream. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello? Hello. Hi. Um, I wanted to tell you a story that happened to me in November of 99. Yes, sir. I was working as a deputy sheriff in a rural county just north of Corpus Christi, Texas. Ah. And uh, I got just about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I got called to the office to sign some reports that a supervisor had approved. Yes, sir. And uh, I took uh, Highway 796 out of Tynan back towards uh, Sinton. It's a very dark, desolate area bordered on both sides by the Anderson Ranch. Uh, no lights, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm coming up to the back gate of the Anderson Ranch, it's kind of about a 40-mile-an-hour curve. And uh, I drove the road most of my life, and I'm doing about, I guess, 75, 80. And uh, in the middle of the road was a bright, luminous... Uh, have you ever seen a chem light? Mm. Like a uh, marker light? Oh, yes, yes, sure. It about the size of a basketball, huh. blowing in the road. Just on the road or above Hover- the road? No, hovering kind uh, of in the headlight. Hovering, mm. I slammed on the brakes and just looked at this thing and had no clue what to do, and it disappeared. Just no shot off into space, no nothing, just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there wondering, you know, what to do or, you know, not knowing what to do. And I start to accelerate, and I'm driving below the speed limit around this curve. And as I get around the curve, you can't see it. But as my lights come around, there's a herd of cattle in the road, and they're all black Angus. And had this thing not been there... You'd have been in a collision. I'd have been seriously injured or dead. What I was you, just wondering if what, you ever heard anything like that. Yes, I have. What do, you think, uh, what do you think that was? I mean, if you were forced to guess now with all these years of reflection, what do you think uh, that was? What do you think uh, it might have been? A light in the middle of the road. I have no clue. Mm. But you must have thought some about it, huh? I mean, it warned you, didn't it? Well, basically, I thought it had to be something warning me that, you know, we deal with loose livestock all the time. And, I mean, I've worked plenty of accidents where people hit cows in the middle of the night. and it. Yeah, I mean, but if, like you, if you had hit a bunch of black Angus going 75 miles an hour, they and you would be dead. Of course. Yeah, so... Uh, what, what happened to you was something very significant. Something warned you. But what? Did you write it up? No, of course not. I had told of one person, my <laughs> ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, well, good move. I mean, uh, I'm not going to tell a supervisor that. I didn't even want to tell you my name here, you know. I mean, it was yeah. it's nuts. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I really appreciate the call, sir. I, look, all I can say is... That, that That is the heart of what this program is about. It's about things we do not understand. And what you just heard, obviously, was a, a very true story. So we are here to explore that which is not explored elsewhere. And that was at the very core of what we do here. What warned him? We talk of guardian angels, we talk of many, we talk of dimensions, we talk of ghosts, we talk of oh so many things here on this program, but something warned him, that was a real call, 
you could tell it was real. So that's what we're here for. That's why we're here. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, Art. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Um, I'm calling from Hawaii. Oh, great. And I just wanted to let you know that um, I have a very strange theory, I think, about all of the UFOs and things that are happening out there. I believe that we're being monitored. And I have an idea that more of us have been abducted than people think. And I think it's probably ancestral. Well, a straight-on straight question. Uh, do you believe that you have been abducted? Oh, most definitely. I thought so. Yeah, I, I, I believe three generations of my family have. Really? Yes. <laughs> Why do you think you've been abducted? Well, I, I had an experience where I remembered being abducted, but it was in the past long ago, and you didn't talk about things like that. And, in fact, that's why I didn't give you my name. Because that's quite <laughs> right. How distinct are your memories of the abduction? Um, well, we went to bed at night, and like we normally do, we got in underneath the covers. And we woke up the next morning, and our bedspread was on us, and the sheets was on top of the bedspread. <laughs> and I had a mark on my arm that was like a burn that had yes. never been there, and we had strange remembrances of something happening during the night. How much can you remember? Some, but not too much. <laughs> Um, but as far as I know, it it wasn't a threatening experience to me. Do you remember? Yes. Well, well, uh, perhaps not. Um, but that may be a memory inserted, uh, or, or exactly, exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and you believe this has been going on for three generations? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's typical of abduction. Of course, it is a generational. It seems to follow families and family trees and generations. No question about that. Uh, first person that would uh, certainly tell you that would be uh, Bud Hopkins, one of the nation's leading researchers in this area. question is, what are they doing? Why are they taking people and what are they doing with them? And for what purpose? It appears to be reproductively oriented, uh, perhaps genetically oriented. The purpose, we're not sure. There are a lot of guesses. You're on the air, Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Where are you calling from, please? Hello. Hello. Um, I'm calling from the U.S., that's all I can say. All right. <laughs> um, a few months ago, uh, one of my I had one of my tech sergeants call in. Uh, he was guarding a faculty, if you will. And, a, 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 uh, he asked me to call in. He was guarding a faculty? Let's, uh, let's just say he was guarding something that you guys are looking for. And uh, he convinced me about two weeks ago to call in. I'm his commander. I'm post commander of this faculty. And it took me a while to get on with you guys, but here I am. You keep saying faculty. Do you mean facility? <laughs> if you will. <laughs> okay. And what is it that your facility does? Well, let's just say I'm looking at something right now that wasn't made in this world. Well, all right. Then why don't we go ahead and des what? What? Why don't we go ahead and describe it, whatever okay. it is, or is it, or is it beginning to take off as we speak? I hear some weird noise. Nineteen seventy-nine um, order came down to terminate an unidentified flying object. We terminated it. 
All life was uh, hunted down and terminating within 24 hours as per the order. And we recovered what was left of the craft. And uh, my, my superiors, if you will, well, let's just say <laughs> it's uh, about 280 foot long, probably about 150 feet wide. And there were 17 occupants on board, and it was deemed fit for the human race that we exterminate with extreme, extreme prejudice. The life forms on board. We, uh, with the technology uh, that we had at the time, we froze what was left of the occupants on board. You froze them? We froze them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I had uh, one of my tech sergeants call in a few months ago. Yes. Uh, he, I believe he talked to a George Norrie. I believe that was his name. That's the information I have, yes. And they told him to go to a public library, try to get in contact. I kind of dissuaded him from that. I said, we don't need to do that. Um, like I said, this is something I think that the people need to know about, and it's it's come high time that we... We all realize that there's life out there elsewhere, a lot of good. But and you bad. are guarding it. Well, I'm in command of this whole facility. I see. And about, I guess it was 19 months ago, we gave the president a new briefing on the project. You did. President, Bush. Have, Pre uh, president Bush. We have a $17 million budget would that, on this base. Yes, would that be President Bush? Yes, it would. Uh -huh. We gave him a, um, we told him that we were asking for an, an additional $24 million a year, and he told us he was cutting our budget by half. Oh, not a good idea when you've got a big secret like that. Well, not just that. The reason we terminated these people yeah. was uh, the total amount on board, and in order to terminate them, which we ended up doing, we ended up losing about a quarter of our people, which is, I'm not going to say, but it was a lot of people. Well, we, uh, so you, you terminated with extreme prejudice. In other words, how did you kill them? I can't say. Oh, yes, you can. No. <laughs> how did you kill them? Big whack over the head or what? Um, well, let's just say that uh, how we killed them would offend a lot of people. I won't go no further than that. We ended up uh, taking them out. You reached down their throats and yanked out some vi vital alien part. Sure, if you want to say so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I'm buying all this. You understand that? Oh, I understand. Um, I mean, that's mass. For one thing, that's <laughs> genocide. Why did you kill them? Well, let's just say the the way that they uh, they term the way they uh, took out our people so quickly and so efficiently. Yes. We used two tactical nukes to bring down their vessel. Two tactical nukes. Now, don't you think that we would have noticed that? Oh, yeah. Two 
tactical nukes used to bring it down. We would know, well, anybody who's got all their faculties together knows damn well they're in command of a facility, not a faculty. This is Coast to Coast AM. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast, and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is indeed reminding you the first-time caller line, otherwise known as area code 775-727-1222, is restricted uh, to time travelers only, and I will be the judge of what I think of your story. So it's got to be pretty good, as I said. Uh, that one line accepted, uh, we're doing open lines. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. Just stay right there. Let's give it a try, shall we? On our specially designated time traveler line, you are on the air. Uh, you're cutting out. Yeah, I had to go out in the middle of nowhere so I could see him coming. Um, I've, I've come in more from the past than from the future, and it does not take nearly as much energy as people think to travel time. Oh? No, it's more a manipulation of an electromagnetic field with radio frequencies. Yeah, well, you know, the, uh, the Philadelphia experiment uh, was about exactly that, and I, I'm not immune to believing what you're saying, uh, that there could be a combination of electromagnetic energy and rotating 
RF fields and so forth that could cause exactly that. Uh, and you're claiming that's what you have done, and you've come from the past? More from the past, about the mid-70s. Your antenna array, that loop antenna array, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like you're real close to actually completing a, <laughs> a fairly large uh, circumference for manipulating an area of time. So you're claiming you came from the 70s, huh? About the mid-70s. About the mid-70s. And is this a discovery, this mechanism to allow time travel, is it a discovery you made, stumbled on yourself, or others did? It was something I stumbled on, and I have been found, and I have been given ground rules to follow. Somebody or something found you? Uh, it's uh, a larger organization than just the government. It's pretty... It's there. The powers that be that control the government. Yes. They also control a group that controls the time. Oh, now this is interesting. Uh, so then there are certain rules to time travel, which apparently were laid down for you. Is that it? Yes. If I violate any of those on this phone call, they'll find me faster than I can leave here. All right. Uh, try and if, if tell me what you can of the rules for time travel. I mean, what are the? Can can you talk about that at all? Uh, to a certain extent, there are there's a common sense rules. You're not going to go into, like you say, Vegas and uh, make the play the odds in your favor. You can to an extent where you need money to survive or to accomplish uh, to accomplish a mission. But you can't get greedy. No, no, they'll they'll come down on you before you ever get to that point. They might we understand the nature of they. Uh, or them. Your, your Illuminati is a close uh, understanding, about as close as you're going to get to it. You believe the Illuminati are the guardians of the secret? They're, no, it's an organization that's... Uh, it's, the Illuminati, Illuminati would pale in a comparison of their barbarism. I see. So whatever this organization is, it's head and tails above the Illuminati even. Uh I would say the Illuminati is what they have propagated as, you know, kind of their cover. Hmm. That the Illuminati, are, you know, some people say the Illuminati are out there for world domination and control. Something. They'll stop at no means to do it. Mm -hmm. But these people, they're really not out there for domination and control. They're out there to further themselves. And keep control of people like you. Um, they can lay down some pretty strict rules. If you could, if you could move through time once, I'm presuming you could do it again. Uh, I can. It's not too hard to do. The hard part is setting up. And I made the mistake of coming to a time where monitoring the radio frequencies and everything is a lot more advanced than I ever thought it could be. True enough. And my mistake is for me to set up the type of equipment I would need moment I turned it on, they would find it. And by, by the time I tuned in frequencies, they'd be there to stop me. Fascinating. Um, so was any part of the rules and the warnings laid down that you shall not do it again? Was there concern about that or what? If I am to travel, it'll be by their means. By their means? Yes, at their discretion and their means. And I, I assume that they found you based on what frequencies were generated when you did this. Yes, they were very high voltage, low amperage electromagnetic fields. Yeah, that makes sense. Electrostatic uh, energy of some sort and, and a magnetic. That's fascinating. Um, 
and you're actually, you say you're out and concerned right now that you say something that would bring... If I, if I stayed down, if I, if I were to speak the wrong thing, they could be out in the bushes before I get here waiting for me, so I'm pretty sure I'll be pretty cool on this call, you know. I'm not, I'm not too afraid of saying the wrong thing, or I think I would have been stopped by now before I made the call. Were you just a tinkerer, or how did you stumble into this? Yeah, it was major, major league tinkering with uh, radios and uh, messing around with eight tracks and old recorders and stuff. You know, it was, it was nothing I really intended to do, but when your hair stands up on your hands and you're, and it's so localized, at the same time, you know, the the feeling you get, um, the Hutchison effect is real close. From my observation. Oh, that's fascinating, and that kind of figures, too. Um, any ill effects because of time travel? Not that I've experienced. Uh, some of the ill effects that I've heard of, which is why they want me to use their equipment, yes. are, in, for instance, materializing 30 or 40,000 feet above the ground. That would be bad. Yeah, it's more getting stuck in a magnetic stream outside the stratosphere or you know, you, you kind of pull in on the wrong spot is what they're explaining to me. I don't understand a lot of what I did or how I did it, mm -hmm. you know, or how it worked. All I know is I, I turned it on. I said, what the heck, let's try it. And I came out in about 1993. I'm trying to even imagine what it would be like to jump 20 years. I mean, the technology and the world would have changed so much in 20 years that it would well, be almost hard to get around. Yeah, the, the garage was... The, the people that lived in the place that I hopped into where I'd left, they had completely remodeled the garage. I felt like I just stepped into a different room. And when I went walking back into the house and all my parents' furniture was gone, I, and here, here they are with these cordless phones and everything, I kind of flipped out. Huh. And, of course, they flipped out when they saw me. I'm sure they did. They probably thought, my God, it's a ghost or worse. Yes. Now, I'd like to go ahead and tell you about one of the missions I was able to go on. All right. It was for ARFID, Radio Frequencies ID. Oh, yes. Now, they are a major component in being able to locate and track individuals in terrorism. I would think so. And it's the quickest way to regain our privacy as as bizarre as that may sound, it, it, do, it does sound counterintuitive. I mean, uh, you're talking about an RFID, something that would tag you, essentially, but, but you're saying it really tag, would be our salvation. They tag you, they monitor your movements, so that if you go somewhere and do something wrong, they can't find you. Got it. But they don't monitor you to the point where they know what you're doing, um, what you're saying, what you're thinking about, or something you, like that. You sound like an advocate for the technology. Only because it's really what kind of a, uh, the Patriot Act that's coming out is a real dangerous thing, and it threatens to actually expose this organization. Really? And it's one organization I'd like to go ahead and keep a lid on. Apparently. Although, yeah. I, I wonder how you figure this call is okay. Uh... I would have been stopped before I made the call. That's all I can think. I've been stopped from going to Vegas before. It's kind of a roll of the dice. Uh, they've kept you from Las Vegas, have they? Yeah, my first my first mission, I did go into the future, and I did research some stocks, but I happened to catch the front page of the sports section. 
<laughs> and All right. I, I thought I'd go back, and they didn't. They didn't cotton to that idea. Uh huh. I listen. I appreciate your call, and I, I guess your your plans are what to live out your life in in the time you've now arrived in, or to make another jump. I don't. I can't make some plans. They've got me in a job where it's, uh, they kind of they got a harness on me. They got a good idea where I'm where I'm at, where I'm going to be. Uh huh. And uh, I think my plans are maybe someday if I can with with a little bit of luck figure out how the device they're using is able to pinpoint location so easily. I might be able to do the same thing and just get back out of here. You know? If you were to make another jump, where or when, more likely, would you go? I'm thinking I'd like to get past 2025. I hope we all get past 2025, and thank you very, very much for the call. Or 2012, for that matter. Now, you see, that call and calls like that are the reason that I leave such lines open. That was a scratch-your-head kind of call, wasn't it? It sounded real, didn't it? It didn't sound made up. It sounded it came rolling off too easily and too well, and the aspects of what he said seemed too logical. And Well, if there were time travel, and it was known at least by an elite few, there might be an organization that would monitor such movements uh, for fear of what might occur. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. That was a good call. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is Crystal. Crystal. Hey, Crystal. I'm a first-time caller. All righty. Uh, the reason I called was because of two previous calls. One about, well, there's been three tonight. One in LaGrange, Texas. Oh, yes. One in Senton. Yes. And then the lady in San Antonio. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, many years ago, a girlfriend and I were driving toward Victoria, which is very close. Uh, well, not real, real close, but uh, fairly close in proximity to Senton and San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were going out uh, on a Saturday evening, and we started out really late. We worked late, and it was almost midnight, and we were going to a dance, and it was going to stay open until 3. And we were on a, uh, just a regular road, and it was uh, out in the country and very flat and nothing much around. And about 20 miles out of, of Victoria, you could see the city lights. Uh, it was, you know, a pretty big city, and you could see the lights. Sure. And we're enjoying ourselves and just driving down the road, and we're in a little convertible, and we're just laughing and cutting up. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and believe me, none of us were believers in this because it's been a many a year ago, uh, this literal... Um, I would call it uh, a space ship, uh, an identified flying object. But literally, it was a a vehicle that was silver, and it was saucer-shaped, and it was extremely large, and it made no sound, and it just kind of swooshed in and sat down right. Well, it didn't sit down. It just kind of hovered over the road in front of us. Wow. And all around the edge were beautiful, beautiful rainbow-colored lights. I uh, looked like maybe what we would consider windows with lights. Right. And uh, we were amazed and afraid. I'm sure. And uh, in shock, probably. Well, yes, been many a year ago. And 
the amazement was so great that I think it kind of took away part of the fear. And we were traveling at about 75 or 80 miles an hour. And it seemed like that we continued to travel, but it was almost like we weren't on the pavement. It was almost like that we were just kind of moving, but not on the ground. Yes, ma'am. And uh, anyway, we I knew at the time because we were running late. And uh, so she was afraid and I was afraid, and we started talking about, well, what's going to happen and are they going to take us or what's going to happen. And uh, I'm very analytical. So I'm kind of like trying to figure out in my mind, if is this from another place or is this one of our creations? Of course, yes. And because I'm really analytical, I'm like, okay, uh, this probably has to do with NASA because that wasn't too far away either. And uh, so this went on for about 23 minutes. And uh, this trap maintained in front of you. It maintained, that. and and we were just in. Like I said, we were in awe, but we saw it very, very well. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like you had the feeling that they were like you got the almost like a, a metal telepathy type of feeling. Yes. That if you'll just hold there and not panic, everything was going to be okay. How old are you now? I'm in my fifties. Okay. And this was in the late 60s. Gotcha. And 1969. Were you aware of, um, were you later aware of any period of time having elapsed? Any well, issues? I'm going to tell, let me finish the story. Please. Okay. So, uh, you know, I remember telling her I was probably 18 or 19 and she was uh, probably about a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling her, well, let's, you know, everything's going to be okay. Let's just not panic here. Everything's going to be all right. Anyway, uh, I noticed it, it raised up higher. I don't know how far off the ground it actually was, but I would say probably equal to 10-story or 15-story, you know, uh, building. Big. And then it raised up higher, and we could tell, we could see the city of Victoria. And there's one thing about Victoria. When you come in on flat land, because that's like a, like a, at sea level, out in that area. Gotcha. You can always see the lights, and they're and they're bright and they're beautiful, and the thing just hovered there for a while, and the lights in Victoria, all the lights sucked out. There wasn't one light left in the whole city. It sucked totally dark, and then I began to panic, and she started to cry and scream, and she said, "Oh, that killed everybody in Victoria." I see why the other calls grabbed your attention. She said, everybody in Victoria is dead. And uh, we are girls that uh, we weren't wild. We didn't really party. Uh, we didn't uh, We didn't drink. We didn't drug. We didn't even smoke. You know, we were just going out to meet some friends and enjoy ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it isn't like, you know, that we were uh, on something. Gotcha. And so she starts to scream, and she said, oh, my God, everybody in the city is dead. And, uh, well, then I, then I began to really, at that point, I began to worry. And then I watched, and after, uh, this maybe 15 or 20 minute period of time, that we were just kind of still moving, but not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were moving, like I said, at probably 75 or 80 miles an hour, because I could see the speedometer 
on the car. Mm-hmm. But we weren't really going anywhere. Right. Okay. So uh, it was like we were caught up with them and whatever they were doing. And so then uh, it just went, and it was gone, and it went back out over the over the bay because about 15 miles to the south is Gulf of Mexico, and it was gone. And so then we we were still, I was still driving, and the car was still moving, only at that time we started proceeding toward Victoria. And then the lights came. Then we could see the lights again. And I said, well, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. There's lights on in the city. And we came in, and it was the most eerie feeling. It was so quiet. And so we came on in, and there was a place where one of the freeways crossed over and a big station. But just as we got inside the city, as we were coming into the limits, we went into kind of like a mist, a a really peculiar mist or a fog. And we could actually feel it, but it didn't feel like dampness. But it was just a mist. In the middle, I mean, it was like we were driving in the most eerie mist or fog. And we came in through that, and it was like everything was in slow motion. And we couldn't, we couldn't, we, when you usually come in, you heard sounds, you heard people moving, you heard animals that barked, especially in a convertible with the windows down oh, and the top down. Ma'am, okay? what a story. Ma'am, you're going to have to hold on. Uh, we're, we're at a break point here. So I, I want to hear the end of this, all right? Okay. So you stay right there. This is, uh, this is one of those stories. Uh, did you hear her say mist? How many of you remember the story I read not very long ago about uh, the South Pole? Do you remember that story? A mist, a weather balloon, a clock? I wonder how many remember that. Scientists who just were totally baffled every time they sent that balloon up with a clock, it came back all wrong. We'll be right back. at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from East of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From West of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, 
This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. You know, over the years, I hear stories and I hear stories. Some of them, well, some of them, you know. And then others, every now and then, it's like they hit the bullseye. And there's something about this lady's voice and the way she's telling this story that seems so, I don't know, matter-of-factly indisputable or something. Whatever it was that happened to her really happened. I believe that. We'll be right back with her. Top of the darkness, everybody. Back now to the mist and um, where we left off. You were in the mist. Okay. Well, we had gone over there to meet two young men, and we were going to go to this dance. And uh, we finally found our way uh, clear across the city to where the dance was being held. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, by my watch, almost 1 o'clock. Also by my car. It was real close to 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And when we got in there, we didn't know what to say. So we just tried to walk in and be normal because we really were afraid. By that time, we were really, you know, we we were just, we were confused and afraid. So we walked in there and we sat down and uh, we uh, apologized for being late. And they said, well, you're not that late. You know, it's just a little after 12. All right. We've only got a moment here. Well, they lost 23 minutes. 23 minutes. The same 20, yeah. And the then... Sa- ah, ha, ha. In other words, you're saying that that entire city... Lost 23 well, minutes. As well as you in your car beneath uh, that... I, we did not lose it, Art. They lost it. They lost it. Okay. Then, you know, we asked them if they noticed the city going dark, and nobody noticed it. And then we went out to eat after the dance at about 4 o'clock in the morning at a little place that... Uh, was a cafe, but it also was a continental bus stop. Yes. And those clocks were all 23 minutes off. <laughs> and the one lady uh, insisted, because the guys were making fun of us, that uh, her clock was correct because she had to be exactly on time because the bus ran there. Right. And then a bus pulled in, and she told him he was early. <laughs> but he wasn't. And so it was exactly that... 23 I minutes off. I've got so it. So the entire city... Mm-hmm. Lost the 23 minutes. I've got it. And, so and he did, but we did not. All right. Now, I'm, did that whole city just time travel? It sounds like it did, yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure it could happen. And what news would it make? What news would it make if, so, if, if an entire city lost 23 minutes or even up to 30 minutes? People would make corrections. They'd say the damn clocks or whatever. But. A, probably 7 out of 10 wouldn't even notice. For those who did, they would uh, imagine any number of things which our brain would tell us would explain that away, right? But I'd venture to say what we just heard happened. You're on the air, Coast to Coast AM, on the uh, Time Traveler line. Hello. Yes. I would give you my name, but you probably already have it with the automatic number identification or CNA that's attached to your phone line. You think so? I'll make it. I'll make it very simple, okay? We used to take airplanes out of Las Vegas and fly to a classified center where we installed huge antenna arrays to monitor magnetic rifts, okay? We also installed large antenna arrays to talk to the satellites for the government, okay, where a lot of interesting stuff went on. 
Okay. Okay. Now, the problem is, is ever since I left that facility, I've been having extreme headaches, and I choked down bottles of aspirin ever since. And a lot of other people have left that facility are the same in the same condition. Okay. I've heard that. And and uh, I've ended up going to military doctors to have cancer removed. We've signed documents saying that if we get sick after leaving the facility, since the, since the facility doesn't exist, uh, it never happened. Unfortunately, the medical bills don't go away and stuff like that. So if anybody else is out there hearing, I hope they, they figure out a solution to this area that we went to. Okay? There, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Bush has already re-signed an order to reclassify the areas that we were in. That's correct. Uh, so discussing any information within the area would have me in jail so far that, let's see, the way they put it would, they'd have to send uh, fruit roll-ups to me in the form of sunshine, <laughs> you know? So, uh, Is that the way they put it? That's the way they put it. So basically, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that a lot of people need to uh, understand what's going on. Uh, these experiences in time that people are experiencing with the clocks and that. Yes. It's called accelerated time. The government has been watching it. It's uh, a phenomenon that's going on in the universe. It's accelerated time. And basically what happens is you'll be sitting around, you'll go to, you'll go to bed, and you'll wake up, and you'll feel like you've slept three or four hours, and your clock has only gone an hour. Mm-hmm. Or, you'll, or you'll lose 45 minutes and, and feel extremely exhausted. They've been experimenting with this and trying to realize and understand it. And you're saying in those those areas in which you you traveled in, that's where the experimentation is being done. Yes. Experimentation with special special aircraft, with magnetic fields and everything else. Uh, There's a lot of of, uh, information, misinformation flowing around to keep people uh, out of the areas and that stuff. Believe me, if anybody wants to go out there and and, and even... you know, think that they can get close. They can, and it's, shot, it's a we, very we, good. We, it's a very good. Yeah, I know. It's a very good way to end up uh, either shot or in jail. Most likely in jail. That's the first order. And you just don't try to get uh, close to these areas out in the desert. There are signs that say "deadly force authorized," and they are serious about that. Now, can you imagine that what he just said could be true? Yes that they're experimenting with Tesla-like devices, perhaps, that alter realities, alter time, alter our present circumstance in some manner? Sure, I can imagine that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello? Hello? Yes. Oh, hi. Um, All right, this is Linda. I'm calling from Georgia. Can you tell? I I can tell you're down south somewhere, huh? Huh? I can tell you're down south somewhere. Yes. Uh, this would be short and sweet, but uh, I'm calling in uh, reference to the uh, recording of the hole in Siberia. Yes. That's referred to as hell. Yes. I noticed, this might not even be of any importance, but it's curious to me. Uh, you know, of course, you can hear the screaming and the wailing. Yes. But I detected a male overvoice. It's distinct and separate and uh, from the, the tone and the intensity of it, it sounds as if it's directed to someone or something, and uh, it's as if he's making commands or exhausting himself, I, you know, I don't know. And, I've, and you hear that during whatever else is going that you, on? This recording that you have. All right, hold, hold, hold on a moment. All right, she's referring 
And I've got what I consider to be the real McCoy here, the real recording, of what are called the Voices from Hell. Now, these were recorded by Siberian scientists who drilled what is the deepest hole that's ever been drilled into the earth. This was a Reuters story, and you can get copies of it and read it for yourself. Lowered microphones into the hole and recorded these seemingly hellish voices. And, and I will go ahead and play it, and I'm, I'm going to listen for what she said. And she said there was a sort of a male over voice, and see if any of you hear it. Here is that recording. You know, it's funny, now that you mention it, <laughs> uh, especially toward the end uh, mm -hmm. part, part of the recording, I did hear something. And it almost sounds like these, you know, like movies you've seen of, you know, of Satan or demon or whatever. It has that tone to it even, you know. But I didn't know if there's any kind of technology, you know, whether it could be isolated. And yes, uh, you can take recordings like that, and I am told dissect them and remove, uh, you know, frequency by frequency. Uh -huh. You can remove layers until you get down. Yeah, well, that's fascinating. Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll call you some other point. It's about these EVPs. I've got a theory on that, too. <laughs> okay. But uh, I know you have probably have other calls, so maybe I'll get in some other time. All right. Thanks for that one. I, I appreciate it. I've never heard that, but she's absolutely right. Toward the end of the tape, it became more apparent. It may have been there the whole time, but toward the end of the recording, you could hear a male voice, and I'm not exactly, certainly not exactly sure what it was saying, but it did sound like a voice sort of over everything. That was weird. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Um, I'm listening to you. I'm Rick from Quartzsite, Arizona, listening to you uh, from uh, Los Angeles, 640. Uh, KF, a mighty KFI, yes, sir. On my CC radio. All right. Uh, I've got a little story that involves spirit, uh, ghosts, uh, and remote viewing. Um, I lived in Indonesia for, um, for many years, uh, 14 years, and I've been a parapsychologist for 25 years. And... Uh, one night, this um, masseuse, she's an older woman, come to the door, and uh, when I answered the door, she was crying. And so I called my wife because she spoke better Indonesian than me, and uh, and I asked her what's wrong with the old lady. And uh, she says, "Oh, she says she owes us thirty-five thousand rupiah." And I said, "Well, that's fifteen dollars. She can work it out in massage. I mean, why? That's not why she's crying." And then uh, I felt an energy on. On my top of my head, which usually lets me know spirits around, and I close my eyes, see a bright green flash, and that lets me know somebody's there. So I mentally asked it, okay, who are you? He says, well, I'm her grandmother, and I want to pass on her, uh, her inheritance, which I was going to give to her, her sister, uh, but her sister's too greedy, and uh, I was a healer, and I usually make sure they tell me something I couldn't know about them before I, I act upon it. And so I asked the old lady, I says, uh, your, your mother was a healer. Uh, your grandmother was a healer. And she said, yes. And, um, so.
so then the the old this this ghost says to me um I want you to show her your aura. So I sat down on a on a box against a white wall and uh, asked the old woman to 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 look into the center of my forehead, which is to point out my aura, which is around the body. And she uh, she immediately saw my four spirit guides. She says, "There's people behind you." And uh, my wife was aware of my guides. I don't see them. My other colleagues have seen them, and I know they're there. And uh, so she described them. You know, there was a tall black man with a turban on, and a Chinese man, and a and a uh, rabbi, and uh, and uh, an American Indian, a red guy with red skin. The whole crowd. Right, the whole crowd. Well, they hang out with me. So, <laughs> so. She, All right, we don't have a lot of time here. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a good story. But uh, anyway, um, gee, how am I going to make this shorter? Um, the the grandmother told me she says she's going to be talking to spirits and that's why I'm letting her see your spirit. Okay, so uh, I said to her, okay, she can uh, she can talk. Uh, you know, she'll be able to see these spirits. So the the old woman, I said, well, I'm going to let you look around my head to see what if you can see something in the center of my forehead. And she ran across the room. She said it's a star, and she tried to grab it. And I have a, a six-pointed star in the center of my forehead. The people who see it, and uh, so she she couldn't get it. She's standing back, and then uh, she she says, "I am not afraid." And my wife said, "What's wrong?" And she says, "Your husband's head turned into a cobra." And uh, when I said I wasn't afraid, it turned into a Barobador Buddha. She says, "I've been to four other holy men," and. Uh, and they uh, they all told me the same thing that my grandmother wants to give me this gift. Did you ever get it? She got the gift. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. I'm not sure I get all of that, but but I guess maybe uh, there are things that people pass from this world, and you know they wanted to, very desperately wanted to do, and they didn't get done, like leaving an inheritance to a certain. Person, I mean, a lot of people pass from this world, you know, and I have no uh, written will. And in fact, more, I'm, I'm told more times than not that is the case. They leave no written will, and so the relatives just fight over the money. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of afterthought about that in the after world. International Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, my name is Corey. I'm from calling from Edmonton, Alberta. Alberta, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, my friend and I, we've been outside a few times, and we look up in the sky and we see these kind of like UFOs. Well, you know, it's kind of like Canada has had the biggest UFO uh, year in its all of its history really? this year, and, and a lot of America doesn't realize that. Yeah, there have been a number of news stories about it. Canada is having a gigantic UFO year, and that it could occur so close to us, and we barely get you know wind of it is kind of strange. Yeah. Well, when we look up in the sky, like the first night that we did this, we just kind of looked up in the sky and I said, hey, what's that little dot up there? And it moved right across the sky really fast. And I said, is that a plane? And my friend was like, I don't know. And then after a while, we were looking at the sky, went to his backyard, sat there for a while, watched all these UFOs doing all kinds of weird things. Huh. Then we went to the front. And then a few minutes later, we saw this thing that's kind of like, a, you know, those... Uh, those uh, cigar-shaped type things? Yes. Or dowel-shaped? Yes. It was like uh, two blue lights on the outside and two red lights on the inside, but they're mm -hmm. flashing intermittently like blue, red, blue, red. Yes. And we saw it, and it was very silent, and my friend's like, no, that's a plane. I was like, no, that can't be a plane because planes don't have that. So we've been seeing some real 
big activity, and then my girlfriend got in, involved with it. And she kept seeing these lights for like a couple hours, and when it happens, it's about 1.30 when, they really, when they're really active. Well, uh, join the others in Canada, as I said. Uh, it's strange to me that Canada can be having such a year in ufology. Uh, all kinds of sightings, like that man just talked about, and that's verified uh, in some American news wire stories, and the rest of the world virtually doesn't hear about it. That's really bizarre, isn't it? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Going once, going twice, gone. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. I love your bumper music. Uh, thank you. And you have the best voice in radio. Anyway, <laughs> this is a little um, slightly different, but when I was nine, I was collecting metal buckets of acorns from my father. Nicola Bucket. I'm 50 years old now, okay? And so I thought that a long time. And I was bringing the buckets to Dad, dump, and he dumped them in a big wheelbarrow. Mm -hmm. And I went up to him one time, and I said, you know, Papa, all time is going on at the same time, but in different planes. And I walked away. <laughs> and he never bothered to tell me ever the time was linear. But later, maybe by an hour, I, and you know, I've been kind of communing with nature and all alone, and kind of probably in a meditative state. Uh, I walked to my father and I said, by the time I'm old enough to be a grandmother, uh, Papa, the United States will no longer be the greatest nation in the world. And I walked away. Now, where did those thoughts come into a nine-year-old's head? I don't know. Oh, uh, uh, adults have, and without, right? Adults, uh, yes, indeed. Adults have wondered about that for years out of the mouths of babes. But where does it come from? Since the babes are brand new. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Howard. Hi. We've got just about a minute to go. What's up? Uh, I was going to tell you that um, I owned a bookstore, and when I first opened it, a man brought me in a box and asked me if I could find out anything about it. He got it at a flea market. And when I opened it, it was a very old box, and it was one of the original Tesla boxes. You're kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, and it had uh, all glass instruments in it. Oh, my God. Listen to me carefully, please. Uh, there's not going to be enough time to do anything other than instruct you uh, any evidence you have, uh, whether it be photographic or the actual box or anything else. You need to email me post-haste. I'm artbell at AOL.com or artbell at mindspring.com and send me any evidence you have. The conventional wisdom is that everything Tesla did, everything Tesla amassed and learned was confiscated by our government. Folks, that's all there is. Time-wise, that's all there is. I've got to go from the high desert till next weekend. I'm Art Bell. <laughs> Keep on out there. Good night. Shooting stars across the sky. This magical journey take us on a ride Filled with the longing Searching for the truth We make it to tomorrow Will the sun shine on you Midnight in the desert